Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, pre-pay and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants. Oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome, listeners. We got an awesome guest today, ex-pro surfer, actor, 
WSL sportscaster and a territory manager for, for some brands. That's wow, right. this guy. This guy has it all. Kaipo Guerrero, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be on you guys. I mean, uh, I like catching up with friends. Yeah, you know? man. So, so we got lots of – so whatever you guys want to talk about, let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. Luckily, you know, we all have time and we can put this together. <laughs> yeah. So so let's get this out of the way first thing on the podcast. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just wanted to say the word, and I just wanted to like get it out there, and now we cleared the air, and now I know where, where my boundaries are. So that means we have no boundaries, yep. and we can talk about whatever. Let's talk about it. Look no at, boundaries. No boundaries. Look at this guy right here. This guy's that's drinking a, a beer that's my already? office right here. Larson. You know what? Like, your, aren't your, aren't your Jay, kids at home? I've been, I've been a fan. Like You know Ugh. I've been a fan already, Larson. I'm going to ask you some questions. I love it. Could, Please do. Because I'm like the reporter too, bro. Um, Two ways so to like, right here. So this whole thing with like Taylor Steele and, and, and poor specimen, and it's making a resurgence, right? Yes. Um, so like, are you getting more followers right now? Now that like, you're, you know, your old, your old career is back up, back up on the screen. I don't think so. I, not that I noticed, but, um, he's getting I mean, more I'm followers a, through late I night talkie, dude. Yeah, I, I, I think it's more of our show that's blowing me up, you know, and, and LinkedIn. Okay, well, I've, I've been enjoying those old clips and stuff. I, you know, I just rip it. I, but, um, and so any new sponsors? Do you have, like, a CBD company or anything like that? <laughs> that? That seems a going trend right now. We're trying to stick to just booze. Okay, Ka- okay. I like it. Kaipo, the show is not about late night. The show is it, about Kaipo. All right? Okay, about okay. Let's get okay. back on page. Typo, do you let's start check at out, the beginning. Check out my office. Dude, is that look at this guy. So like like this is the baller, bro. Like I'm telling look you, Lynn, this, this is the deal. This is why I'm a fan of late night right there. Because that is how we do. That's how we're supposed to do. You know what I mean? That's how we're supposed to live. Yes, you know? Sir. Chilling like, in the backyard in, on sanctuary, man. I'm I'm keeping it clean. I love it. I love it. Let's start at the beginning, Kaipo. Where'd you where were you born and, and how'd you get into surfing? Uh, I, 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 I'm from born, raised here in Hawaii. I got into surfing cause my dad was a surfer. Grandpa was a surfer. Um, wow. Yeah. Came from, came from a beach boy family. So like my family were Waikiki beach boys. So my grandfather, uh, ran a glass bottom boat in Waikiki and he was a captain out there. And then my dad was a beach boy before he went to college and he was actually the first, um, college graduate in my family nice and so he made a great name you know name for himself his, his name's uh they call him uncle ants over here in oh. hawaii and he was a uh, part of uh, the original polynesian voyaging society um the hokulea all that stuff and so i was re- I, I i grew up in a town called kapahulu where i still live which is basically i'm a, a mile straight down the road to the wall the Waikiki Wall, the Kapahulu groin, at the end of Waikiki, that wall that goes out into the ocean. You know that one? Yeah. Yep. Is that Publix? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Out there. Yep. And um, and so being a, a kid of a canoe paddler, ex, you know, ex beach boy, I'd go down to Waikiki Beach every day on my skateboard. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And see all the uncles of there to be and that's when i learned to surf on rental boards but and then also like had like oh you guys are back yes what was that okay what was that what i don't know that? are you on wi-fi at your house yeah maybe i should get off the wi-fi or what like, no you should stay on wi-fi i think it's better who knows oh uh, yeah no i'm, I'm on wi-fi over here okay it's, but you know hey look at it's coconut wireless so yeah <laughs> maybe kaipo Yes, maybe I'm here. Sit, sit, stand right there, or wherever the. I think it, with you walking around, it might oh, cut you okay, off. I got you. So wherever the you. best uh, reception is, maybe hang out there. Sorry. All right. Are we back now? Yes, we're back now. Yeah. So you you were talking about Publix and and um, skateboarding down there, and then you got yes. cut out. So the the Beach Boys. Um, took me under their wing right and so that's how I learned to surf and then that was my first job and and had some really interesting characters down there uh number one <laughs> let's call back you want to call just back? Go sell. do sell go okay. sell call back yeah all right okay Wait. I, I turned back the recording so so are we better now we're better now way, way better sick okay so you you got taken in, uh, taken under the Beach Boy wing. Yeah. And then uh, what? You started off on the rentals. Yeah. Okay. So how old were you when you started surfing? Uh, eight, probably eight. Nice. Eight, nice. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then from there, and 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 that whole life um, with the Beach Boys, then I transitioned. So we all canoe paddled. I come from a canoe paddling family. Okay. And I. Uh, my dad was gnarly canoe paddler, whatever. He's like, uh, they, his crew won the Molokai Tuahu race like six years, and, and we're just like a dominant force. And they, he had some crazy people in his crew, like um, Timo Hollinger, who's a big wave rider, legendary surfer, uh, um, Wally Forsyth, uh, um, uh, Rabbit Kekai. Nice. Uh, and so, and a friend of the family was George Downing. And so my next step was to uh, my neighborhood surf shop was used to be called wave crest. And now it's Downing Hawaii. Nice. And I just spent a lot of time there uh, with the Downings, uh, uncle George and then, and Keone. And, um, that's where I got my own, my first, you know, real board and all that stuff. And just kind of learned the surf shop culture. And 
a point I want to make is um, you need surf shops, okay? Absolutely. Amen. Amen, brother. And so because what surf shops teach you as surfers is the culture and the etiquette of surfing. And if you don't have that classroom straight, like, you're not going to be a good student, you know? And I just watched six people paddle out with Costco Wavestorm soft tops yesterday. Frustrating, bro. Frustrating. And and it's not their fault. You know what I mean? Hey, it's nobody's fault, but because it's just like you can you can be a surfer now and never go into a surf shop. Yeah. But it doesn't make it right. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't make it right because you're missing out on so much if you just like buy like first of all. Or we already we already got through it, right? I can say the word "fuck wave storm." Okay, yeah, yeah um, for sure. Um, and like, so you can go into a Costco, get your board, buy your stuff online, never have contact with actual like any type of like surfing culture, and then go surfing, and then you're in the lineup. And what happens is you're not a part. You're you don't, and it's not your fault. You don't understand the tribe. You yeah. gotta be a part of the tribe. You know, we're a tribe. Yes, we're, we're a group. I agree. And, and you know what else too I think is is getting lost like you know and I'm all for these you know businesses like surf coaches uh, surf lessons when they go to a surf lesson these these instructors you know they got to educate these students too about the etiquette about the culture because I don't think that's happening you know no they're just there to get their buck get their hour in and rotate you know the yeah. staff and, and, the, and the employees but that's got to change right like yeah sure you you know you're a surf instructor and you're teaching these kids on wave storms and first off they shouldn't be teaching kids on wave storm they should buy it from a, a an endemic you know company brand you know a surf brand and then and yes. then also educate their students on you know what the proper way of, of of surfing in a crowd looks like. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up, Kaipo, because we've never kind of talked about that. Yeah, all. and we, I mean, we we truly need, you know, this surf industry to flourish and we need participants, but it, it needs to be done in the right way and respectfully and don't paddle this surf class, surf, you know, lesson group out to the main peak. You know, there's spots down the beach that's little, little, uh, you know, little out of the way that might be a little easier for, yeah. for everybody. Yeah, we use so um and and to your point, you guys, um, we have more people participating in surfing ever, ever. ever. But as an industry, we're we're struggling, struggling. because yeah. we have the least amount of people consuming yeah. surf brands. Yeah, and so it's an interesting dichotomy because and and so now we see the slip in the system where you like we have more people surfing than ever, but we have less people supporting. Surfing, yeah, you know, Kaipo, don't use big words because you're gonna lose Larson. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but going dichotomy, going point, dude. He just busted out dichotomy. <laughs> Lyndon and I, you know, obviously are reps, and we need to support that that core surf shop business model. And yeah, going back to all these boards made overseas and not supporting you know, the, the local workforce. Um, I mean, we need, we need to figure that out, bring some production back here at a price point where we could still capture and dump some of that money back into the local you know, economies, local economy. Yeah. Can, can, can I go bigger than that? We need to build almost everything here. I think right now 
with this plague that we have, yeah. we're learning that you know offshore goods they may be cool for the margin, but they're bad for our own sustainability. So I think we're learning that lesson too, like across all boards. Um, Absolutely, you know, in, in every category, every yeah. category. Yeah, I yeah we, we agree. Um, so let's take it take it back to you and, and growing up on Hawaii, man. What a what a what a great place to to be immersed in. You know where surfing was born, right? Um, yeah. Uh, when did you start getting a competition? How, uh, you know, how was your progression? Oh, uh, I, I think I was twelve. We we entered the the I entered my first contest, and then. Um, and then from there, just kind of got addicted to. I actually wanted to be a pro skateboarder before I wanted to be a pro surfer. Really? Wow! Wow! Who who was your skateboard heroes? Well, first, Tommy Guerrero was my absolute hero because we didn't have a lot of like pools and ramps in Hawaii. And then Tommy Guerrero was like on the old Bones Brigade videos. He was like the street dude, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 that was relatable for me as a town kid to just like be skating in the street. And then. I started as fibbing as a young man and was just started telling all my friends that Tommy Guerrero was my cousin. <laughs> and I would get all like the Guerrero boards and I would just rep that shit hard. I would get like blank boards, you guys, and I would just buy the Tommy Guerrero stickers and, and put them all over my blank boards because they were, that's what I could afford at the time. And, um, and just rip it so hard, like yeah. That's so awesome. Did did you uh, emulate his clothing and all that too? Try to dress like him. Style master. Yeah, I mean, like everything those guys were doing, I was doing. Like I had, I would. So I went to a Hawaiian school called Kamehameha, and I like had like a flop, and I had like all this skateboard shit, and like and but that was very howly, you yeah. know what I mean? To most, to like my other Hawaiian kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, like, at school, imme- immediately, I'm, like, the skateboard kid with all that, that shit. And so they already started calling me Howley Boy really early on. Howley Boy. <laughs> oh. Just because so, you like skateboarding, you dress like a skater. Are you Hapa? Yeah. Or are you What? Are you Hapa or one ethnicity? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Portuguese uh, Hawaiian. So okay. I'm, like, two-thirds. I'm more Portuguese than I'm Hawaiian. I'm, like, two-thirds Portuguese, one-third Hawaiian. Got it. Is, is your dad like more white or they're they're, they're dark complected yeah he's he's fairer fairer yeah fairer? okay yeah because you look like you're you're hapa yeah yeah oh yeah not, well, not in a I bad mean, way no yeah hey look at you guys you guys already know bro i had a modeling career bro like well, it's not like the, we're the gonna get to that is, like the handsome side i'm not i'm not mad at that we're, no. we're gonna get to that bro we're gonna get Whoa. to that <laughs> quit jumping ahead <laughs> just leaving our leaving our uh, listeners just you know excited right yeah now. yeah we're gonna get to that okay so so you start surfing uh start skateboarding my wife is behind me she said just like it's so funny my wife is behind me she's working on her own computer right now she just looked at me and just rolled her eyes in the biggest <laughs> way hey, ever. hey babe uh, hey babe uh earmuffs all right uh, we're gonna yeah. get deep she was <laughs> So over that comment. <laughs> so, uh, so what was your first surfboard? What kind of board? It was a wave crest. So before Downing Hawaii was Downing Hawaii, uh, the the original uh, surf shop was called Wave Crest. Okay. And so, 
And that's where the sting came from, right? And so the, the wave crest thing is a really interesting thing because George Downing made this board with like a high wing. One of their ghost shapers at the time at Wavecrest was none other than Ben Ipa. Oh, and wow. Ben Ipa made this board with a high wing. Okay? Yep. And so there was the battle of like who invented the sting. You know, like, whoa, yeah. who's going to claim this incredible design breakthrough? And the sting, when it came out, I'm old and I'm old, okay? I'm old enough to know to watch like Mark Liddell. Larry Bertelman, Buttons Kaluhio Kalani on these single fin stings, and we were Groms. And I'm telling you, I shit you not, we would paddle into the channel when those guys paddled out. First of all, they told us to beat it. And then, <laughs> and then second of all, we would sit in the channel and watch these guys surf, and it was like watching things like aliens, shit that you've never seen before. It yeah. was, for me as a child, it was crazy sitting in the channel at like Kaiser's. And yeah. watching buttons do like three sixties in like two foot barrels, you know. Wow! And, and and watching Larry Bertelman like do the craziest like roundhouse cutbacks, and then like looking like he's doing a backside off the lip off of the whitewater, which is standard now, right? Yeah. And back then, we're just, like, you, you, I'm a I'm a twelve year old kid, right? And yeah. I'm just going, what the hell is going on? Just putting the boards in, in yeah places that. You never seen before. Those ever, guys are probably ever. doing aerials back then too, huh? Yeah, guys were like, we had like, like they were full like chicken hop airs. Like they were like, like glide high and then jump down to the bottom type of airs, right. more, more than like real airs that they do now, you know. So but just even the classic like three sixties and the way they spun them, it's so smooth within transition. It wasn't like they're wasting the wave; they were doing it to, to position themselves too. Yeah, yeah, it was it was like it was really, really, really a cool place to grow up in, and some cool guys to to be around as kind of mentors. And those guys were actually they were mentors. Like so, then everybody goes into the parking lot there at Bowles or Kaisers, and you know, and and Mark and and Buttons would be like they're stars. They're yeah. already stars, right? And so, but they would let the kids like gather around and just they would kind of school us on stuff, you know? And they would make us do, you know, do chores, whatever, you know? <laughs> do stuff yeah. with them. Go get me lunch. Yeah, yeah, Take yeah. Take the wax like, off we, my board. We would do, we would do anything. I, I, I mean, like, Larry Bertelman gave, gave me, and I don't even know who was with me. It might have been, like, Aaron Napoleon might have been with me at the time. Wow. Um, gave us the best advice where he's just like, you like to learn how to, hey, you like to learn how to pump. Down the line, make speed. Take your skateboard and tic-tac uphill. And so we were just like, oh, what? And so, you know, you find a, a small grade and you tic-tac your skateboard uphill. And it kind of taught you how to <coughs> weave front front foot, weave down the line and, and make more speed. Cause, yeah. But Larry was, already, Larry was already the master. So he already had that shit figured out. He was going faster than anyone, right? That's and, so crazy. Um, but it was a really, really good child. I had an awesome childhood. Yeah, sounds like yeah. it, man. What, what, about, what about like just the, the beach scene with like tourists and like just like the whole vacationer like tourist vibe? Was that insane to like be immersed? Um, so one of my early jobs working for the Beach Boys was changing the trash cans at the Royal Hawaiian. And they were the, those big like 50-gallon oil drums. Yeah. They were painted. They were painted pink, and they would be lined with, you know, 
the, the trash bag line. So like at the end of the day, I would change all the trash cans for all the tourists. So like, you're, you know, so you're like straight, like the little local kid working, you know, and um, guys would like sometimes tip me. Like it would be serious. Like tourists would be just like, "Whoa, that's really nice." They'd see me dragging the the the, the trash, <laughs> you know, back back to the dumpster that's in the back of the the Royal Hawaiian, and they see this little kid working. And like every once in a while, you'd have a nice, nice, you know, guys come over and give you a dollar. And at the time, a dollar, I was psyched on that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the Beach Boys were only giving me five bucks to change whatever the twelve cans out there or fifteen cans. So you can make extra dollar. It was kind of cool. That's epic. Um, yeah. Little hustler. But, oh, yeah. we have, hey, Bro, I'm going to tell you, I'm not even going to say it on the t- podcast right now because I'm not like I'm smarter than that. But we have, I had all kinds of hustles in town. It was like, like it's town, you know. It's real. <laughs> That's A lot awesome. of opportunity if you if you look, look, you know, good enough. Yeah. A lot hang of opportunity. You can hang out with the right people or the wrong people with the hustle. <laughs> Yo, man, you guys, honestly, like my dad has a best saying where he's just like, you want to know people in high places and you want to know people in low places, too, because both of them are uh, can be your good friends. Yeah. And so sure. I, I like I, I like that philosophy. So so uh, tell us uh, what, what, what was your first contest then? Uh, what was the first one? I think it was at Queens. Okay. Um, it might be at Chun's Reef. We used to be able to have contests at Chun's Reef. We used to be able to have contests at like Lani Akea. Um, uh, it, it was one of, one of the yeah. It was it was around those. Who who was that? Uh, was that like boys mini mini Hooney division? Menahuni, yeah, Menahuni boys. So by the time it was boys, and then we went the U.S. Championships. I think in, I was still in boys division, and myself and um, Aaron and Darren Napoleon, the two twins. We qualified to go to the U.S. Championships, and we went to the U.S. Championships, and then that's when um, we started branching out, right? Yeah. And that's that's when I met guys like Richie Collins, who's like a similar age, and like Doug Silva, Jeff Booth, Jeff Booth. Um, and, then, and then started making friends, you know, from people outside of your area. And that's the beautiful thing about surfing, right? It's right. just like when you get into competition, you go from like your local comps to your national comps, to your global comps, and then all along the way, you're making this crazy network of friends that, and I tell kids all the time, like the, the those friends are going to be your friends for your entire life. Yeah, and it's yeah. rad, you know. Yeah, so rad. So so rad. So tell us about uh, how how successful were you in the contest? Were you winning them, making finals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What, how do I do this right here? I can I flip this in my little thing? Yeah. Why not? I was no, but like what? Like what's like I'm trying. I don't really Facetime with dudes, you guys. Honestly, like seriously. So I'm not like we, we just I'm started Facetime. So those are like all. Can you even see? Holy them? moly! Only pops would hold on to that stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, typo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little like it's a little like shrine, right? Yeah, that's sick. Do me a favor, Kaipo. Will you take pictures and videos of, of that stuff and send them to me? Yeah, yeah. I'll send you some videos. Because uh, um, that's how I just, that's how we'll promote the uh, episode. Like every day for seven days, I'll, I'll post about the show and in, in, in this episode, and you know, hopefully you can too. But yeah. So 
So, so who's your who's your first sponsor? Uh, it, well, after Wavecrest Hawaii, it turned to Downing Hawaii, and then from there, it's pretty crazy, Jay. This is a crazy story. And then I turned coat because that's the family friends, bro. Like Uncle George and 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 my dad, they're like canoe buddies, right? And so like they're they're like they're we're already family. But then I t- did the turncoat thing at a pretty young age. I think I was like 13 or something. And uh, Buttons got me onto locomotion. Ooh, and, wow. I, and I and I and I just jumped to the to the you know to the bigger company kind of. Was that the, the dark side at the time? Huh? Was that the dark side? It wasn't the dark side so much. It was just like a bigger like surf company. It was locomotion. It was super cool. It had the yeah. thing any like everybody wanted to be on locomotion. Man. Yeah. Locomotion. When yeah. I got on locomotion, I was just like, oh my goodness, yeah. I've made it on the shit. I had so much attitude. <laughs> Who else and was on cool. there? Like Tony Moniz. Tony Moniz. Tony Mo- and- yeah, Tony Moniz. Uh, we had Tony Moniz, Mark Liddell, Mark Liddell, um, Larry uh, Rios, my, my, my myself, and then Buttons, of course, and then Larry came on a little bit later. Larry came on with, with locomotion, and then um, uh, the transplant came for a little bit. Was on locomotion, Marty Thomas. Oh, and... <laughs> yeah, pretty boy Marty. So that was Big a fly. rivalry already. Where I'm just like, whoa, you put the Holly guy on the team? What? The? Like, like nobody asked me. Um, and uh, our Kolohe Bloomfield. It was is a pretty. We had a pretty cool um, locomotion team. Dude, I remember working at HSS and all the. Uh, Japanese tourists would buy up all the locomotion stickers. Okay, so that was hustle number 13. <laughs> I used to get all of my locomotion stickers when they were hot. People used to like like especially the VW bug guys would yeah. love to put them on their on their on their bugs. Yeah. I would go to school and in public in Waikiki because I could get as many free stickers as I wanted to and I would resell those stickers that I got for free from um, from my sponsor at the time and yeah. make some cash on the side right there. Yeah. So I think we all I think we all hustled that angle as a, as a kid. I mean, stickers were huge and they still are. I mean, people still eat it up. I don't think it's as the offerings is good these days, you know, with brands and what they what they're doing as far as, you know, giving them away or 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 selling them to the shops, but man, those things were worth their weight in gold. So you got a, you got a favorite sticker, Jay? <laughs> I'd say it's pro- probably one of the old TNCs were were probably my favorites uh, growing up. Town and Country, the little Yin Yang or the Gorilla. What, what about you, Lyndon? You got a favorite sticker? I think I like Stussy. Oh, you got it right. And, and remember how crazy Oakley stickers were? And, and that, Oakleys were big when remember? it was spelled out, right? Yeah, but then the one that said thermonuclear. Yeah, <laughs> like like you were doing something special, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like thermonuclear. But back to the Stussy thing, like I, I just big ups to Sean Stussy because he was kind of like the first guy in surfing that I saw like recognize reggae music and mm. hip hop at the same time, which yeah. is art. And for me as a kid, that's all, that was the lane I was already in, and I was just like, this guy's the best. Yeah, this, you know he. And and I always wanted to have a. I never got a Stussy board. Um, Jeff Booth used to ride them. He yeah. used to ride Stussies. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted one of those boards. They had, they had like a little duck nose on them. Yep. He yep. had like a signature little duck nose. 
They're like, there's a beak, but then Susie would add the duck nose to the beak. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, wh- who was your first, so, so Locomotion was boards, right? Yeah. And what, uh, who was the shaper? Do you remember who, who shaped your boards back then? Oh, Pat Rawson. Nice. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Rawson. Yeah, all, all day long. Like, I used to get, I used to get sick Rawsons, man. And, and, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Here's the truth. They work really good here, but I would take them anywhere else. Could ride them. Oh, I'd go to California for competitions on my Rawsons, and I would like get smoked because <laughs> my boards didn't work. just did not work. Yeah. And then, so then, I, then I went turncoat again, <laughs> and I got. There's a lot of turncoating right now, and then. I started early on in, in California. I got boards from Jack Sykes lineup. But no then I way. would just like put locomotion stickers over those. You wrote you, know? you wrote Jack's lineup surfboards, Jack Sykes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had Magic Sykes. Magic. It changed all. And then Greg Pausch was another one. I used yeah. to put like locomotion stickers over Pausch's. Um, Pausch was Ed, a McCoy shaper, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Ed Sakel. No way. Oh, yes. Bullet. I would put lo- I would put locomotion stickers over the bullets, you know what I mean. So I like, wow, I, yeah. That yeah. was my first but, job but, in the industry, Kaipo. What was, was, was uh, Sakel Ed Sakel bullet surfboards? Bruh, that <laughs> bruh. I'm t- <laughs> I'm t- I I had a board that was so magic from Ed that it, it, it I would go to sleep at night. Looking forward to riding it the next day. That's so awesome. Hey, do you remember uh, him replicating uh, IPA's bevel rails, Stinger bevel rails? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I actually, it's a funny story. I actually spent uh, one summer on the on the South Shore. I was there for two or three months, and I was riding um, uh a bullet with a bevel rail stinger swallowtail and Ben Ipa, you know, Uh Oh, you got into trouble right there. Oh, it was, it was kind of cool though. Cause so I'm, I'm surfing, um, uh, bulls, right. And yeah. Ipa was out there and I caught a wave and I, I think I surfed it all right. Right. And he, he, he goes, Hey, come over here. And I paddle over and he goes, let me check him. And he, and he, you know, flips my board over and he's like checking it out, and he's like, "You know who 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 uh, came up with this?" And I go, "You, of course." And he goes, and he like kind of looked at everybody. He goes, "This guy's cool," and that was it. Nice. <laughs> hey. He was testing you. <laughs> hey, getting approval from Ben was like all time. Like Ben. <laughs> oh, So Ben was the original kind of for us guys in Hawaii. He was the original surf coach, right? So he yeah. was our coach. That's awesome. And like we were the team. But at the same time, Ben was like the, one of the gnarliest enforcers. And I'm going to tell you these stories right now, and I don't care because it's a podcast. We're supposed to tell the truth. Yes. When he kicked people out of the lineup, he didn't just kick people out of the lineup. He had this Ben trick, and he would do it with his palm, and it would happen. And he could do it like in one click, and he would break <laughs> their fins. Oh. So there was glass ons back there. But he had this palm technique where he would just like, pa, pa. And like break off two of your fins or whatever, and then send you in. So you can't come back out. No, because you're done. You're you're done. You're done. And, and, and nobody had extra quiver in their car. Everybody had the one board they rode. So <laughs> yeah, you're toast. Yeah. You're toast. And I just hey, look at you guys. 
I'm not mad and I'm not like an angry person, but localism in a way like help control surfing oh, a little sure. bit and it, and it made shit safer and it made like everyone like be in their appropriate zone oh you know huntington was no joke too man we we grew up oh. i mean every every local zone has their, their crew but yeah we all grew up with localism yeah like look at i know the downies jay yeah. like i know yeah. some of your like local like i know some of your enforcer guys i like yeah. i love them I, I used to i used to stay at uh, isaac mahi's house over on Indianapolis in Delaware, there used to be there used to be a um, windmill like uh, in his yard, and he was like the, the the Hawaiian compound, right? And so he, Isaac would be cool enough to let me sleep over at his house in the garage in the corner. Hey, that um, house I, that house is still standing. It's no crazy. That the, the no. windmill's the windmill's gone, but like I think the the little like back garage shed is it looks like it's about to like fall over it's still there i that's bro that was my room over there I'll, that's I'll where take, i like I'll used ta- to live I'll, I'll take a picture of it and i'll send it to you and, and you could you could vouch oh shit and like so i don't know if you, you guys remember but you remember isaac never used to wear a wetsuit he's a big hawaiian guy living in huntington beach in the middle of winter he paddled out no wetsuit i yeah. mean he was a he was an incredible man so that was like where like the hawaiian crew used to hang out over there and and, and and remember Huntington Beach, you guys. You guys are a little bit younger than me, I think. It wasn't no, like no, 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 no. Hey, wait, 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 stop right there. Lennon's like really old, like <laughs> okay. way older than you, dude. All right, okay. you might look good, but don't trust me on this. Larson, why? Well, like, you, late, late night. Why do you have to bring that up, bro? That's not cool. Because <laughs> I compliment. No. That's a backhanded compliment, bro. You look good. <laughs> no, you know why? Because Linda, Lin, you're like Filipino, right? So like you you, you age well. Like you know, True. that's just a part about being Filipino, right? True like, that. He's just like. You, like you, like that's 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 just you're blessed. Okay, so blessed. anyway, <laughs> so Huntington Beach used to be like surf shops and bikers. I remember. Yeah, and it was, and and they, it was like either the bikers or the surf shop, but it wasn't like very like um, before the the uh, homogenization of it yeah. of of Huntington Beach. It was like it was a cool place. I mean, not yeah. that's not cool now. But it was like really, really cool back then. Yeah, but and the, the locals but, were gnarly. You know, but the surfers were, were like more of the punk rock like surfers, like the hardcore like like badass like guys. They weren't just the fluffy like blonde hair guys that just want to look good. They were they were tough. No, I yeah. So to your point, surfing in that era, which I'm blessed to live through that era, was like a subculture. You were outcast. Like people like you weren't like people. No parent back then would be like, hey, Johnny, when you grow up, we want you to be a surfer. I know, okay? right? We're going we're to send you to the surf camp, and, um, and uh, I'm going to start pushing you into waves at, at lowers, you know, at six years old. And we're going to get a coach and a videographer. Yeah. you be homeschooled. We got to work on your nutrition, and we got to develop a color scheme for your quiver, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. like back then like some culture like parents are just like oh my god my kid's a surfer yeah it was a bad thing my, so, my, yeah it was i mean I, I i had a dad that surfed an older brother surfed and you know just just trying to get a wetsuit you know for the winter was like pulling teeth like you're fine <laughs> i'm like i need a new wetsuit like come on you know like to shell out like a hundred bucks for a wetsuit was like torture and Lyle, how gnarly, you were, you how gnarly were, were wetsuits, though? Yeah, oh, really bad. 
Overlock seams. Let's talk about overlock seams on wetsuits because oh. those things were like little saw blades all over your body. All over your neck, and- your armpits. <laughs> you didn't even My- get the – remember the back of the leg? Yeah. The back of the leg rashes? Oh, shit. Uh. Back of the knee? Yeah, my grom's no. like, did you, did you get rashes? I'm like, oh, like you never you, – they have no idea how yeah. bad they were. I used to put a, a grocery bag, one of those plastic bags on my feet just to slide it through the leg opening. Yeah. <laughs> before yeah. zippers? Before zippers in the in the for the groms? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we would bleed. We were bleeding back then <laughs> yeah. to surf. So, so who was your first clothing sponsor, Kaipo? Oh, my clo- my first clothing sponsor is a really good story, actually. Right. Um, my first clothing sponsor was a company called Mango out of yes, Australia. Bro. Yeah. Yes, bro. Yes, Greg Wade like ran the ran it here in America. <laughs> so, so, and this guy that got me on the team, uh, his name was Barton Lynch. Oh, what? And now you're and working s- with them. <laughs> And so like we're Groms, right? And 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 you know who else was on Mango with me was um, Todd Chester. So like oh. Todd and I both got sponsored by Mango through Barton at the same time. Um, oh, I'm dropping all the names, so whatever. I'm going to keep on dropping names. Yeah. Along with <laughs> Brock Little. So it was Brock, Todd, and me on the Mango Grom team for Hawaii. Dang. Tony Moniz was the actual pro for Hawaii. Barton turned us all on to Mango, and um, how did you guys and, meet meet up with Barton? Or was he out here, yeah. out, out there in Hawaii, and, and said, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." It was cool. a winter time in Hawaii, and then we we ran across. I mean, I already knew who Barton Lynch was, but then somehow we ran across him. I think Brock met him first, and then the interesting thing about that is that then the following winters, Barton actually started staying at Brock's house up in Pupukea. Brock's dad is like a flower farmer, right? And they, so they have a big property up there. And, and I think then, then Barton and, and Brock got really close. Um, but, and so, but that was my first sponsor was Mango. And, yeah. the, and the shit was like super goofy. It was super Aussie. It was super color block. It was stuff <laughs> that you wouldn't wear, but it's my sponsor and I would wear it. And so like my... My nickname, Howley Boy, continued because then I started showing up at school with this whacked out mango stuff. You know what I mean? And I'm like, fuck it, bro. That's like, that's my sponsor. Yeah, you this know is what free mean? shit, like, bro. I'm repping it. No, I, whatever comes in the box, I'm wearing every day. Yeah. Every day. And I got it for free, so screw you. Yeah. Come on, mango. Damn it. <laughs> it we, we, we talked about how awesome like the clothing and just that's the surf brand names coming from Australia were and still are, you know, like they had some incredible brands. Hot tuna. <laughs> Everybody knows hot tuna, man. That was like Merrick, uh, Merrick Davis. And I think, uh, uh Rob Bain wrote, might've rode for hot tuna. Um, hot tuna was pretty messed up. They had that one ad where like, there was actually like the fish hanging out the shore. Yeah. So I always remember that. One. Oh, I remember, so remember that the, the slogan was cover your mullet. Cover your mullet, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so, so did what was your like first like mag shot? Was it like an ad from one of your sponsors, or like an editorial, or maybe maybe one of those little like amateur like surf placement you know contest clips in the back? My first mag shot was shot um, at 
Ala Moana bowls. They spelled Kaipo with a C, <laughs> Surfer Magazine. It was a stamp size ad because, I mean, it was a stamp size shot because they were just like, well, I don't know who the kid is. Uh, but it's actually, um, it was a front side air. And so I'm going to go down on wax right now. Like, you guys are going to trip on this claim. Wow. Uh, front side you're air? Gonna, you're going you're gonna to trip on this claim. I'm going to make this claim right now. But it's real. It's 1983 was that first shot, and it was a and it's a front side air. So you like we can dig it up, okay? Yeah. But it's real. So 1983 front side air. That Did was you my pull first it? Shot. That's insane. Did you pull the air, Kaipo? Do I have to answer that question? Lennon's <laughs> <laughs> L- been serving for 40 years. He still hasn't done an air, <laughs> bro. In 83, if you could just get in the air and, like, in front of the camera, yes, that was the shot. That's you, know I mean? you didn't have to actually ride out of it. There was no video to the game. That's it was just, amazing. You know, so, uh, get, in, get in the position. You win. So what was your first uh, – you know, okay. You're a South Shore kid, right? Yeah. Proud. How, uh, how was it going to the North Shore and, and having to, like, step up your, your game – you know, like how is the pecking order? <laughs> so, <laughs> so early on, so this is back to locomotion days. Early on, Tony Moniz is an early, early mentor for me. He's from town as well. He would pick me up and drive me out to the North Shore. We would have all these great surfs and everything. One day, Tony picks me up. We're driving. I think he had a VW Bug is what we were in, I want to think. And um, we're driving and we go over the hill um, you know, and you know, dull pineapple and everything. And then once we go over the hill, white water for see, days. And I'm not stoked. <laughs> I'm not stoked at all, bro. <laughs> and and I'm with Tony, and I'm just like immediately I start making excuses. I'm just like, oh, Tony, I don't think I have a big enough board. And then Tony's all, I got a board for you. I'm all, oh, Tony, like I, I don't know, man. I like. I just remember I had some homework back at home I had to do and stuff. And Tony's all, you can get back to it. And um, whatever, man. Like, he drove me straight to Sunset. Like, oh my God. gave me one of his boards and, like, said, like, we're going to go. You, he's, actually, he said, you need to go and you need to catch one. And you can go in, you can come in after one, but you need to go out there and wow. you need to catch one. How big was pressure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then how, I, how I, big I, was that I, day? I, I here's what happened too. It was crazy because <laughs> I paddled the furthest out because I wanted to be the safest. <laughs> Dude, I didn't want to get caught inside. Right? Hell no! And so I paddled the furthest out, and I'm like all the way out there, and then of course this crazy rogue set comes in, and I'm the furthest dude out, and all the uncles are basically yelling me screaming me into the wave oh my and i'm God. just like fuck <laughs> and so i have to so i had to everyone's watching i had to paddle into it right and and i paddle into this this wave at sunset and i'm just like oh my god 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 oh my. and it took me forever to get to the bottom and i'm like on my like fifth oh my god and then right when you think like 
As soon as you think the worst thing can happen to you, then it happens to you. So oh. I thought in my head, what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen now that you're at the bottom of this wave is fall. And guess what I did? I fell. Oh, and my gosh. I, and, and it was so, so, so bad. But. You survived. And broke, broke the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and so, like, with that comes the realization when you come back to the surface that, like, okay. I survived. Yeah. It didn't kill and me. And that's how you learn, you know? But. But but I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you right now, you guys. My big wave career. There's only one thing that hampered me in my big wave career. Let's hear it. I get scared. That's the one thing. <laughs> All right, I love it. I, fuck, I love the I, truth. Human. You're human, right? <laughs> Dude, I, I, like I get scared. Like I like I had a, like early on. I had a talk with Peter Bell, who like we've been friends forever, you know. And and I remember Pete like paddling out to Waimea and stuff like this, and then. Peter told me, he's just like, you can do it too, Kaipo. Like, you have the whole skill set to do it. You can do it. You know, like, hold your breath right now. And I hold my breath. He's like, bro, you're never going to have to hold your breath longer than that. Out there. <laughs> it's just, he goes, it's just in your head. And I was just like, okay, but I'm still scared. Like, and, like, and I stayed on the beach and Peter paddled out. Story of my life. That's yeah. I think hey, it's a yeah, no shame in chemical that, makeup in their brain. There's no shame in that, Kaipo. So that 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 wipeout that day, Tony Denise says you gotta go one wave. You did it. Was he still? How big was it? How big were the waves? Oh, it was like proper, proper <laughs> twelve foot. Like the, the the channel was disappearing at time. Oh and it's not like and, it, and, it's, and it's and these are big board days, right? So everybody's riding like seven eights, seven tens, eight O's, whatever. Yeah. That's standard, right? And like nowadays you see guys, especially in competition, like even on the big days, they, they surf the inside section. They don't surf the way outside cappers roll into them all the way too. But those days everyone surfed all the way outside. Yeah. You know, and all it, and a lot of people kicked out even before the inside sometimes. They would just 100%. ride the, Yeah, they just ride the outside and then you had the you know, the kind of you know, guys that just hung on the inside if you wanted to get barreled and lit up. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm a goofy foot, it's sunset. I can't tell you how many times I've kicked out before the inside for just like you know, self preservation. Because that's <laughs> like the inside is where it gets real. Yeah. It gets wonky. <laughs> It, like that's when like shit happens on the inside right there. That inside bowl is no joke, you know. Now, now, how many times have you surfed sunset before that that day? Um, a handful of times. Okay, so a you handful kinda, of times. Not you a lot. Kind of understood it, but it was a whole different oh, dynamic so that day. Yeah, that's crazy. What about pipe? You charge pipe? Um, you know what? I was never a big fan of pipeline because i've never been a surfer that has enough aggression to get a wave in a crowd right and and most of the times i'd surf pipeline i would take off on a wave that was not the wave you wanted to because it's the only wave i could get and i would get hurt yeah and so like i've gotten hurt like out there numerous times um one time, like, I, I I got worked at Backdoor one time because, like, I'm 
pro surfer, bro. Come on. Gotta get <laughs> get some out there. Yeah. And I, I went on this backdoor wave and the bottom dropped out and I, I hit the bottom like it ain'ts or whatever with both of my knees like oh. like jump like like jumping onto concrete or something right oh. and it cut and it cut both of my knees open and it I bruised the bones cut both of my knees open I saw stars like almost passed out came up on the beach I remember walking up on the beach all days and that's before like the lifeguards would save you and stuff you know lifeguards aren't saving you back then and I walk up on the beach and Archie looks at me and he's all what's wrong with your legs <laughs> And dude, I looked down and both of my legs from my knees to my feet were red. Just like gushing blood, gotta go to Kahuku. Wow. Messed up. And I'm just I, I don't I I think after that one I don't even know if I got back on the horse. Like oh actually I did. Because then I then I turned to WSL dude and so like four years ago I'm just like, oh WSL dude, like stand at the pipe house. Yeah. I'm gonna get some. You know what I mean? Got to yeah. got to flex, got to flex some clout. And uh, I, I I went out there and um, again I went back door and like a bodyboarder dropped in on me and I, and I straightened out and and I got like flushed again, dude. Like worked again, like coming in tail between my legs. And then well, yeah, go ahead. No, and then this year I don't know if you see my Instagram. I have like a I had like a. I, Day two, moved into the WSL Pipeline house and just like a beachfront of Pipeline. I can pick my windows. I'm going to get some. And uh, I I found a day. It was like a, probably was like four foot, five foot maybe. Window came in. I'm just like, okay, I don't know any of those dudes out there. I'm going to be the top of the pack. Oh, and I think it was like Kamale Alexander was out there and he was going right. And so I'm just like, I'll just sit next to Kamale and anytime he paddles, I know he's going to go right and I'll go left. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to flex. And uh, hit the bottom again, cut my toe open. I was out for, dude, I was out for like most of this winter. I was out for like over a month with this crazy like cut on my toe that took forever to heal. And it's not because I hit the bottom. It's because I was getting held under. And you know how you do the thing like, okay, you know, wait, wait. But then again, like at some point you're just like, fuck it, dude. I'm, I'm like... I need air. So I like did the crazy like panic doggy paddle and I kicked the reef so hard in my crazy <laughs> doggy paddle to try to find oxygen that I cut my toe wide open. Uh, see, I, I love the honesty of, of that's how I feel. That's that's what happens to me. And then and, and then you got Peter Mel and Strider and you're going, Oh my god. Dude, it looks so fun when it's like 12 foot double ups like nobody wants any and they're like dude look at that one looks so fun i'm on it <laughs> yeah yeah like hey like peter's real like peter will go out there with like nobody watching but like strider like he'll wait till there's an audience and then he's gonna go out there with... <laughs> like, again this is real talk like, but he'll pull in yeah like, he'll go yeah he'll go but it's better be front lit you know what I mean? <laughs> if he's going, he's getting the shot and the angle. He's going for the show. <laughs> yeah, but no, those dudes are those. I love those guys. Man. Yeah, they're they're, they're uh, they. I we think, know. We think know. We've guys that have We're a like, little screw loose. That's for damn sure. <laughs> they got a screw loose. So when you were doing your like pro surfing, were was it just strictly competitive, or were you guys were you doing mag trips and or? 
like video trips or jay i'm i'm old bro like if there was a free surfer back when i was around like i would have had had like a much longer pro career (laughs) if there was free surfing like when i was doing it like i would have been able to milk it far longer um but it was just only competition and i'm like the worst competitor i'm like the worst like I lose, you put a jersey on me, and I lose my like head, bro. <laughs> and 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 like and when I was competing, there's no priority. So, like, people just think pal. about this. Think people about this. Think about you're at Holly Eva, and you can see the set because it like cracks it at Avalanche. So you're your indicator, and you're in the water, and Johnny Boy's in your heat. And he just says, I'm going right on the next one. And then the first one comes through. He's all, no, I'm going on this one. And he's telling you which one he's going on. And what are you going to, bro? Like he wins the heat. You know what I mean? Every time, of course. And he rips too. But like there's definitely like an pre-priority. Pre, um, there's, there's pecking me- order. There was, Yeah. And then you know, see the other thing that happened to me in competitions. I would take shit like personal, and um, and I would go after a guy rather than just surf, you know. And so I think my last year in the in in the on the PSAA, I had like there might have been like ten or twelve events, and I think like six out of the twelve events I got an interference on because I would just be like, "Fuck that guy," like, and the, the, <laughs> the judges would be just like, and the judges would come up to me after and be like. Bro, you like you would have made that heat. Well, what were you doing? And I'm just like, fuck, I don't know. Like, fuck, I don't like that guy. Howling love so, <laughs> That is amazing. Hey, the good old days. So now, uh, now you get to travel the world and, and not have to compete. You're on you're on the dream tour. Bro, here's the deal, late night. I win every heat now because I'm gonna get paid no matter what when I show up to an event. You know what I mean? <laughs> You can call that the skins, huh? Skins comp. You're like, dude, I'm going to win this heat, make some scratch. I'm going to win the next round, win that heat, make some scratch. Yeah, so, yeah. So tell we us uh, that, though. We used to have that in the PSAA, the Bud Tour, before we had a... You, yeah, win a heat, get a 50 or 100 bucks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I think it was 50 bucks. or Yeah, exactly. It was 50 it. up until main event. Main event was 100. Right. How rad was that? So, like, Pretty look sick. at... I was able to melt kind of like a like a... Like a you know a surf career, but I left it really early because I it turned it felt to me like it turned into like a, a swim competition or paddle competition before priority, and 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 the thing that like made me leave was I discovered snowboarding right. Oh wow! And then yeah, I wanted to get into that, but you brought it up, so let's dive into the the '90s snowboard gig, dude. So that was it, bro. Like that that was that was my life in the '90s, preaching snowboarding. So I had a I, I had a small company. Um, I was a partner in a small company called Burning Snow. We made uh, snowboard outerwear, huh. and then who, who um, was that? I worked for I was Bert Lamar's second employee at Lamar Snowboards, oh. and then and he was from a skateboarder there, I, for Sims, right? What I think Bert Lamar was a skateboarder for Sims, right? Hundred percent, yeah. So th- I so I knew Bert from skateboarding. Okay. He started a snowboard company called Lamar Snowboards. I started working with Bert. Um, doing the snowboards and he was the f- one of the first uh, snowboard companies that he, w- he modeled it after skateboarding and he only made like pro models right so we had like a Mike Ranquit model we had a Don Zabo model um, and and 
we and he had like skateboardish graphics and stuff. John Cardiel rode for us. It was no crazy. Way. The, the skateboarder. Yeah. 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 John John Cardiel was such a gnarly skateboarder, and then he got introduced to to snowboarding, and then he was just like, "Whoa, this stuff's attached to my feet." Okay, watch this. You know what I mean? Because he's a skateboarder, right? And then you're strapped in on a snowboard. You can do anything. And he like blew everyone away. Um, and then from uh, Lamar snowboards, I went to ride snowboards, then to K2 snowboards, then finally I ended up at DC. So wow. it was a gr- I had a really, really wonderful snowboard life. When when was the first time you went snowboarding? Got introduced to it just on a on a like friends family trip? Uh, just how how did you get into it? I was living with Ted Robinson um, in the South Bay doing the uh, Bud Tour, and we were teammates on Body Glove, and Ted took me up for the first time. He was on it. Oh, no, no, no. And yeah, yeah. And we had a surf shop. We both had the same surf shop um, sponsor, uh, Newport Surf Company, and those guys were early on. And so Newport Surf Company started bringing in like Sim snowboards way early on. And so... We got the snowboards and then we started snowboarding and, and then it just went, and I got addicted to it. Super addicted. I love, I have, I love snowboarding. I've, I've been, I skied since I was like three and then snowboarding came on when I was about, I don't know, 13, I think when it kind of popped like that mid eighties, uh, late eighties. And I just, I, I, every year I'm, in, I'm on it. Lyndon, by the way, he doesn't like the snow because nope. he's an islander, but so are yeah. you. So, so, so tell him how, how it's six foot and glassy every day up there. So, hey, Lar, <laughs> when I was snowboarding, I had a nickname. They called me the Flying Hawaiian because Flying Hawaiian. people were tripping. People were tripping that, like, this kid's from Hawaii and he's all up in the snow. You know what I mean? And I... And um, it was a big, big part of my life. I love it. it like, yeah. yeah, I made a lot of really, really good, good friends. Shoot, if it wasn't for snowboarding, I wouldn't have like had the, the first date with my wife. Um, that was on a snowboard trip. Uh, it Sick. gave me like really, really, really good times. Nice. So, where where were you living while doing these uh, these sn- these snowboard brands, Cali? Um, I was living in California. Yep i was I've been a I was a season pass holder at Baron Summit for like. 10 12 years those guys it was a scam you know what i mean like we're just like we work in the snowboard industry (laughs) can i get a season pass please mindy clark at 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 snow summit and every year we would get these season passes so it and i would hold my breath for the big to to work out the negotiation to get my free season pass so all those years i would get a season pass at bear i would get a season pass at summit i would get a season pass at snow valley I would get a season pass at Mountain High, and I would get a season pass at uh, Mammoth before the McCoys sold the mountain. Once the McCoy family sold the mountain at Mammoth, then my season pass run is over. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason, I, and the reason I don't snowboard anymore, is because it's too expensive. <laughs> and, you're, and you're back in Hawaii. It, it's um, so expensive. So this might be a touchy subject, but. We got to talk about it if we can. So, you were you were a Hawaiian cabana boy, right? Beach boy. <laughs> yeah. Right. 19... I, I I think I know where you're going right here, but yeah. Huh? Larson's our investigative reporter, and uh, this is one of the questions he put out there. 1985, yeah. Herb Ritz, 
photo shoot with? Yep. You guys know already, bro. Come on. Madonna. Holy smokes. Are you kidding me? Biggest pop star of the time. Besides Michael Jackson, probably. But How, how old were you? You were like 18? Uh, 17. 17? Yeah. Oh, and, and you know what's the interesting thing, Lar, that you, you brought up is biggest pop star of the time besides Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's ex-agent, Freddie DeMann, was uh, Madonna's agent at the time. So he left MJ to go, to go to her. Went, no way. Went over to, to the material girl, yeah, Freddie. Wow. So you were 17 yeah. years old and she I'm, was probably I'm, seven, I'm 17. Like, Freddie, like, and you know what? Like, I, hey, I might have screwed up in life, bro. I'm alone with Freddie the man. He's the agent. He's the big guy. And he, like, goes, so, kid, what do you want to do? You want to get into acting? Like modeling? You, you know, you could be an actor. And I, and I, and I, the 17 year old Kaipo go, looks him straight in the eye and goes, like, no, I'm going to be a pro surfer. Now, the, the, now, now the, the, the look of disgust on this man's face. <laughs> and it was like, and, and dude, it's like you scratched the needle on the record where he was just like, I'm over this kid immediately. Now, remember, this is 85 where surfers weren't like that. Like, you know, I mean, it was just like, there is no, what is pro surfing? Yeah. Hey, Serious? surfing's still crushing dreams of people. <laughs> so, so Kaipo, you're a good looking kid. You, were you discovered um, working as a, a, um, a beach boy? No, it was a, it was a contest. We had a contest. We, we, we used to have, uh, I think it was H-Packs back then. They were like a pro-am series here in yep. Hawaii. And it was at one of the H-Packs and this guy, um, Donnie Mailer, he used to run this a surf shop called Surfline. And he, Donnie was a good looking guy and he, he was dating like this high fashion model. And so the, all the high fashion goobs were over there at the, at, the, at the comp and some dude rolls up to me and he's just like, can I take a you know, picture of you? And he has a Polaroid camera. He takes a Polaroid. What's your name? What's your number? Blah, blah, blah. And then a week later is when I got the call from the people over at Rolling Stone and they're like, hey, we, we would love for you to do this photo shoot, um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, cool. Is it money? And they're like, yeah, it's money. I'm like, okay, I'm on. Let's do this. Did he even and, know that Madonna was part of the deal then, or just hey, we're doing a photo shoot? I they they mentioned it, but um, I was more like thinking about, oh my god, I'm going to make some money, you know, <laughs> for modeling. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pro surfer and a model, <laughs> and I had not and I had not been in that world, right? Yeah, I had not I had not been in that world at you know at all, and then. After that stuff happened and getting to know Herb, Herb Ritz, um, then it exposed me to more of that stuff for that time period. Yeah, and it was it was a it was a crazy little world, man. It was like it was, um, and then from Herb, I met Bruce Weber, and then we did stuff. I did stuff with Bruce, but it was just like this fashion fashion thing. Yeah, and I was like. And I, and me, I was just all about making the money and stuff. But it was like a weird, weird deal. And I'm like, and here's another thing: I'm barely five ten, and so. But in the fashion world, you need to be like six foot. So, I I would have these wedges that I would put inside <laughs> my boots, and I would wear. So I would like I'd go on these calls, and I would be wearing boots 
with wedges inside of them. <laughs> hey, where'd you get those? I might need some. To, 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 fulfill, to fulfill the height requirement, right? Oh. And so it's just like, and whatever, man. It was is, and but you know what? It, like the whole thing was just like it. it it's a messed up world. Yeah, and so we won't. It, it, we won't like so go. He made some too, money though. Yeah. 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 But uh, we won't go too far into the, the Madonna thing, but you guys did a photo shoot, right? Yeah. yeah. And we, what happened? She she kind of singled you out, right? Yeah. And then you guys had a whirlwind romance. Yes. And you fell in love. Yes. <laughs> and she she pretty much flew you on her world tour. Kind yeah, I do it stuff there. Yeah. Well, private hey. jet, private jet, everything back in the day. Like it was already blowing up. Her career was like she's no, 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 no. This blue collar shit, bro. Like, like she she flies first, and then you you go commercial, and just like <laughs> <laughs> you, you you go like commercial coach, and just like meet up later. Yeah, yeah. And like and that's that's a true story. Like, like you, you, there's I've never been in a private jet. I've been. I've been asking Strider to like, <laughs> dude, to give me like, like a private jet experience, you know. And I've been pleading with Strider, just like, bro, come on, one time. Yeah, I just want to be like serious, bro. Like, I just want the experience. You, your there guys, is, you and uh, you and Strider almost have like a parallel life, right? Like, he I, I was, was a model too. Say, is that part of the like the WSL um, sports casting uh, requirement? Is to be a pro surfer slash model slash actor slash entrepreneur <laughs> uh, wait, I, I i wasn't i wasn't aware that strider was a model though i think you guys already did a podcast with them yeah stuff. we did yeah no no i take i take it back i think he did some he did stuff with bruce too right he did i think he did bruce, some stuff yeah. in santa monica with bruce yeah so uh, did that lead into acting too no i wish i did i want to like you know i, I want to act i'd love to well, i think i can you're kind of acting never, on wsl here's, here's a deal bro i'm gonna tell you more here's more lowdown so my first cousin, Brian Kaolana, is um, the second director for Hawaii Five-0. He does all the stunts. You know? oh, wow. So Brian, he does all the stunt directing. He does everything. He does a lot of Hollywood movies. Like He started in Waterworld and stuff like this. He's very connected, right? And, um, and I've been asking my cousin for like over a decade to just like, bro, give me a chance, you know? Give me a role, but he's a stunt guy. He's not like the other guy. Yeah. But I've never had that opportunity. I've, I've always wanted. I've, I've honestly, I've always wanted um, the opportunity <laughs> to for someone to give me a script and a role and a character, and that would be a big, big check off in my life. I, I would love to do that. But you've done some like voiceovers or or some some voice commentating on on some stuff, no? Well, yeah. Well. Soul Surfer, I played myself as a commentator, the Bethany Hamilton movie. Yeah. And I'm and I'm making incredible residuals off of that. I think usually the check's about a dollar eighty-five a month. Um, <laughs> hey, at least you're getting that. That's, that's uh but, but, <laughs> but you can get it. I mean you can like you can check it out. Like I have like it's I swear it's like my two minutes of fame, Soul Surfer, Bethany Hamilton story. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so going back to your career, after pro surfing, you got into snowboarding. Is that when you got into repping? 
Yes. Okay. Yep. And you were well, repping? Actually, actually, I got a great repping story too. Let's listen. Let's hear it. I, I, I got into repping actually from a guy who saved my, my life in a way, Robbie Maestro. He was the president of Body Glove. And I was riding for Body Glove. And he called me into his office one day and he goes, hey, this territory is coming up. You're a sharp kid. I see how you act. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to, to work for me. Now, I'll still sponsor you if you don't want to take the job. But you can be a sales representative for Body Glove. That's awesome. Um, but, and, but, I, but I need to know in 24 hours. So come back to my office tomorrow morning and let me know. And, this is and when- so I called I, I call up my dad that night, and I'm just like, Dad, this happened and this everything. And then my dad was just like, well, you're not world champ. You know what I mean? So take the job. <laughs> Smart dad. What a good dad yeah. you got. <laughs> Truth hurts. Like, you know, like, dude, like, you, you, yeah, you're not, you know, if you, if you were the world champ or if you were in the top five or something, then maybe. So how, I went into the, How old were you at that time? I want to say 23. 23, 24. Is that, is that when you were living with uh, Ted Robinson? Yeah, I had, I, I think I had moved out and I had my own place by then. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I was still living in the South Bay and I took the job and I then, and you know, so, and, and this is how rad Robbie Meister was from Body Love. I had like a Honda Accord or something hatchback with like those hard racks on it. And so after I took the job, he went outside and he's all, is that what you're driving? Well, yeah, I'm dri- that's what I'm driving. He's all, hop in. You can't be a rep with that, with that, um, with that car. And he's like, I'm going to make you a deal, kid. And I hop into his Corvette with body, glo- <laughs> with, <laughs> with body glove stickers that are like, giant body glove stickers on each door in, on his blue Corvette. And um, he's like, I'm going to help you get a proper vehicle, but kid, you got to, it has to have my, my logo on it. And so he co-signed for me for, for a, a loan on a, on a brand new truck with a camper shed in the back. And then he's all, okay, bring, bring it in tomorrow. And, and Billy, who the other, my son brother is going to logo it up for you. I'm you so got one stoked. on the hood, one on Dude, each side of the doors, it, one on the roof. You know where this was going. I was so stoked for like a full day on my brand new truck <laughs> until I took it to Body Glove the next day to get logoed. And after it got logoed, I was just like, oh my God. It had like a Body Glove logo on the hood. Like you said, Jay, on the side, on the side of the panel, on the rear. Am like, I a rep like, or am I on the team? It was it was like the, the body glove mobile, and so that was that was my that was my first job, and it was funny. We were we were at the time we were still sewing wetsuits in Redondo Beach. Yeah, I remember. Um, we were so we were still like an American manufacturer, which was pretty rad. And so yeah. one of my jobs was like, okay, wetsuit warranties at surf shops. You know, I'm selling the wetsuits, and people would have warranties. You have to pick up the wetsuits and take them back to the, the factory to do the repairs. What was your territory? Well, I was Orange County. Damn. Yeah, you know this. Um, so I was Orange County. Um, but the thing with the wetsuit repairs is you realize how nasty surfers really are. <laughs> Never so, rinse out their suits. Smells dude, like urine. <laughs> exactly. So I take these repairs back to 
the wonderful Mexican ladies that were sewing our wetsuits and doing the repairs. And these aunties would yell at me and be like, we are not touching not one of those things. So another part of my job was washing out the urine-filled wetsuits that these disgusting dudes yeah. would take to surf shops and see, be like, oh, there's, a, there's a hole under my armpit, but I, I, but I peed in it right before I brought it in here, you know? Yeah. And so I'd have to... I have to like wash out the the, the wetsuits um, before the ladies would repair them. Take oh. us take us back uh, to those days. What? Uh, wh- how was body glove perceived back then? Because it never really was. I mean, you know, not to disrespect body glove, but it wasn't like the best wetsuit out there. I like. I was definitely not the cool kid, right? Like, <laughs> it's just like. I would, I, you know, and even when I was riding for body glove, I was just like, I was always like jealous of guys who were on other brands that had like cooler, smaller logos yeah. on their boards, you know? Yeah. Cause but like, like, it was all about, um, like rip curl O'Neill, you know, victory like, at the time. How dope were those guys? Those guys had like small logos. Yeah. Appropriately placed. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, we, like, we were body glove, and it was mandatory to put this 12-inch giant <laughs> sticker right in the middle of your board. It, that was that shit was mandatory. There was, but, like, but no those, way around it. But besides that, those, those brothers, those guys, I mean, they did so much for the industry with, like, sponsoring the U.S. amateur team, doing yeah. the, the surf oh, bout, yeah. bud tour events, and, yeah. like... Yeah. You know, those were, I mean, they were known for being a dive suit company, but they made surf, you know, wetsuits too. Yeah. But, dude, dude, 100%, man. Those guys actually um, gave a lot back to surfing. They did. And, and, they, they, did. and they actually didn't get the credit for it. And I got a funny body love story. It was just, uh, the first time we, we did a, like a photo shoot and I think a video um, on the disappearance, which was the big dive boat. They took us out through the Channel Islands. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing and this I'm, video. Dude, like, I, I'm a kid from Kapahulu, bro. Like, I didn't know that the Channel Islands was this forbidden territory. And I show up in my, like, my pink and yellow wetsuit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not even going to name the breaks at these Channel Island breaks that were just, like, black wetsuit, urchin diver, heavy locals deal. And I'm just, like, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Where yeah. I'm just like, cool, hey, guys. Like, whoa, you know? <laughs> Taking some surf photos. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm surprised no one shot me out there, spear gunned me, like anything. <laughs> like, dude, I was, I was clueless. And then I learned later, like, whoa, bro, like, that was pretty harsh what yeah. you guys did. You, you guys just went out there on your giant logo boat with your bright ass wetsuits. Oh. <laughs> You, so that was your first ever experience as a rep, right? You didn't have any experiences repping, right? I didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah. I did. I was. I, that was my first experience. So, and and the, and those guys are very very patient with me yeah. learning. But you know, like you're you're a smart kid. You're good looking. You, you're reputable. You you know, you walk the walk and talk the talk. So you got pretty much accepted, even though you're repping like a brand that wasn't like in every surf shop, right? Yeah, well, Lyndon, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm a Waikiki rat, so I learned to, like, hustle yeah. really, 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 really early on. So it was, all that stuff was natural to me. Yeah. So it was, yeah, and, and, it, and it was very good for me. I can, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I can go on record 
is um, I'm I'm 52 years old, and I've never had a job that didn't either involve surfing, skateboarding, or snowboarding. That's so That's epic. amazing. Your entire so I'm, life. Yeah. I'm blessed. Like, yeah. dude, I am blessed. You know what I mean? Like, I, I pinch myself all the time. I'm blessed. I'm, I've never had to, like, work as a telemarketer. So, like, people have to do real jobs, yeah. you know? And, like, so, yeah. But but you you hustled and you you created opportunity throughout your different stages of life. It wasn't just given to you, you know? You, like Lennon said, you're, you know, you're witty, you're smart, you, you know, you had the looks, you had the background, and you hustled. Yeah. No, like, Hey, look at being a sales rep is the most honest way to make a living because you're commissioned. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, it, it's it's the it's like the ultimate performance based occupation. You make seven to six cents on the dollar that you provide the company. There's no more honest way to make a living other than doing that. Because if you don't sell, you don't make anything. Yeah. And so, imagine if every industry was like that. You know, imagine if everything in the whole world was like performance based, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Merit, merit based and performance based and hard, you know, you get what you get out hard work versus. Yeah. I mean, did, I, did, did yeah. you go to college, Kaipo? Um, no, I did. A, I think I did a semester at Santa Barbara City College because <laughs> I was trying to like act like a student. And oh, yeah. And then I think I made like a. I made like a semifinal or something in the Bud Tour, and then I quit because I'm just like I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> I, 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 I don't need to. I don't need to go to school, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck school. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, dude. That's like that's how. So I'm warning the kids right now. Let me just warn the kids. I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. Don't count on pro surfing. <laughs> no kidding. To right? be a career. Like I'm serious about this, kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, do not, do not, do not, do not. You know. So, yeah. So, so after it's... body glove. Sorry for cutting you off. I'm, I'm terrible at that. But um, after body glove, what was your next uh, brand? So then, so then I, because then I got like all enamored with snowboarding. That's okay. I I left body glove, and then that's when I became a partner in Caton and Burning Snow. So we had we had a great uh, company in which all winter we would sew Caton surf trunks and sell them in the summer, and all summer we would sew Burning Snow snowboard outerwear hmm. and sell that in the winter, and we were doing all of that out of Santa Santa Ana sew shops, and um, and our little warehouse was in Costa Mesa. We wow. were on Production Place, okay. so we were on Production Place. Like right down the road from another little company, Volcom was on the other corner. And yeah. so I would go to Volcom and skate their mini ramp and stuff, you know? Nice. And then, but then I had my little warehouse there. I lived in the warehouse for a while. It was, it was just, you know, dirty Costa Mesa. Yeah. Dirty, dirty Costa Mesa. That's funny. How did, how, how is Burning Snow connected to Caton? We were the same company. Oh, Wow. So, a Bill Sharp was one of the partners there, and Rick Lore, and, and another guy, Mike Snyder, was the designer. Yeah. And so, it was a really good business model because all we did was build board shorts and snowboard outerwear. Yeah. So, like I so like I said, like all winter we would sew the board shorts to yeah. sell in summer, and all summer we would sew the pants and jackets 
to sell in winter. That's crazy. That's so we we had this we had this really cool like seas two brands and it was like a seasonal thing you know between the two. Yeah. Now we didn't own Caton. We um we had a license from Glenn Hughes to, to use the Caton label, huh. and and so Glenn still had his shop in in um, Surfside. Yeah. And Glenn's. That's another wonderful story. And Glenn's mom, Sato, was Nancy Caton's head seamstress back in the day, yeah. sewing Caton, the original Caton board shorts. Now, Nancy didn't have any kids. So when Nancy passed away, she gave Caton to Sato. Incredible. Glenn Hughes' mom, you know? So, yeah. And then, like, we were doing our stuff. I'm going to tell you something, though. There's a big, big claim, but I'm going to test history on this you know how and you know in in board shorts how there's like the little loop to put your key in your little loop key yeah. holder yeah. yeah you came up get with ready that. For, i invented that bro. <laughs> no patent oh. kaipo like we should have patented that people i know there's so many things we were the first people at katon to put that into our pockets um, into our pocket and Your the other thing, loop. yeah, the little key loop, yeah. And the other thing at Caton is that we, uh, you know, back in the day when we were doing Caton, we only put pockets on the side of a board short. We would Smart. never put put pockets in the back, you know, pocket. on on the back. Yeah. You know, other companies, and you know, what's the other thing too at Caton? We all, most of our board shorts, like we had a little bit of pressure from the industry that we had to do like one snap a snap model, you know. But we really pushed having lace-up board choice. And at that time, if you guys remember, Gotcha and Quicksilver all had snaps on their board choice. Yeah, and then they did the double yeah, the double snap. They're like, you know, extra yeah. secure. Yeah, and, and we and so and we were like the, the, the goofy kids in the room where we, we had like these tie board shorts and people were like, ooh, tie board like <laughs> those don't look cool. But now what is everybody using Betches? It's yeah. industry standard. Yeah. So I'm kind of laughing. I'm kind of laughing at companies now. Actually, to tell you the truth, that like are trying to like do away with the tie board short and just trying to like reinvent it. You know, I'm just yeah. like, bro, it's good. Yeah, like it this works. Broken. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for G- Jimmy Z to come back with its Velcro waistband <laughs> uh, board short. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah. I, I just like I'm gonna talk industry stuff, so, and and people trying to like reinvent skateboards and stuff. You know, like in different ways, like swivel trucks and stuff like that. I'm just like, bro. Skateboards are beautiful, just the simplicity of a skateboard. Don't try to reinvent a skateboard, okay? It's like, that's why it's beautiful. It's because it's simple and it's fun. So what made you, I mean, you were having this, you know, successful, you know, industry, you know, career being a rep and, and, and you know, managing these brands. Like, where did it go from there? Like, how did you get into the, you know, the, the commentary gig? Well, you, um, you moved back. Tell us about how long you were here for as a yeah, rep. Yeah, so, exactly. So I like lived in the mainland for a long time, moved down to Encinitas, um, hmm. started working for this really small shoeer company at the time called DC. It was like a division <laughs> of drawers clothes. Yeah. And w it was drawers. DC shoes, you know? Yeah. And uh, that kind of turned into a monster, it, you know? It, was kind of, it got pretty rad. Like At first, we're like this little skateboard shoe company. We're like, we just make shoes for skateboarders. So, Kaipo, you were there fun. at the, the yeah. ground floor, like right when they first launched? I was their, one of their first outside sales reps. Wow. So, previous to like 
you know, me coming on with DC, um, they did their sales the way all the, the skateboard industry did sales, through which is through telemarketing. They send you the yeah. catalog, the guy calls you up. That's how they used to sell the boards and trucks and wheels and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so they were selling shoes the same way, only to skate shops. And that's how I started, like selling only to skate shops. And then there was a rule at DC where like you had to sell skateboards to sell our shoes. And I remember the epiphany one day where I went into this meeting with Ken Block and Damon Way, who's like Danny's older brother yeah. and was the principals. And Clay Blem was, uh, was the money guy. And I had been talking to Tilly's at the time. Wow. And on a very friendly kind of basis, but DC didn't want anything to do with Tilly's. Yeah. And I and I was just like, you know what, you guys, we're not a skateboard brand. And those guys are like, no, who's our who's our customer? Skateboarders. I'm all. Our customer is anyone who has feet, my man. Any <laughs> if they have feet, <laughs> they are our customer. Okay. Think That's, big. Think big. And that's when it blew up. And that's when, like, they were so hesitant, like, because Ken Block and Damon were, like, and Danny were, like, true protect skateboarding guys. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then w- once they had a little taste of that. Yeah. First blood, then, huh? Then, then, it was <laughs> then, <laughs> then things got crazy, bro. Like. Blood after in the, the water. The fins <laughs> come the out first, at night. After the first taste of that, they were just like, ah! Yeah. But, but to give, like, you know, a shout-out to, to Tilly, I mean, she was always on the forefront of, like, what was going to be hot and help build brands. I mean, to you know, they, they even though they were the evildoer, you know, in, in regards to not being a core hard goods shop, they, they brought in brands and helped blow it up. I, you know what, Jay, you're, you're a rep. I agree with you on that one. They, they did. And, and Tilly Levine was um, very, very, very kind to me throughout my repping career. Although she gave me a couple of heart attacks, bro. So when, <laughs> when we ramped up to like the, the, the business with DC, with Tilly's, I was like ordering special containers just for Tilly's, oh right? Gosh, yeah. It wasn't, it would it wasn't like our, our factory stock, it would be like special cuts. These containers would come in and they'd be like all Tilly's shoes. Yeah. But sometimes they'd come in a little late. Yeah. And on her PO, she may have the end of the month cancel, but the container doesn't happen till the beginning of the next month. Yeah. And I remember calling Tilly and telling her like, hey, we're going to be like a week late on this. And she's all, well, I cannot accept it. It's after the cancel. <laughs> and... Bro, these are thousands and thousands and thousands of pairs of shoes landing. Yeah. And I'm going, like, literally getting, like, a heart attack. My heart's beating. It's going out of yeah. my chest. I'm sweating all over the place. I'm like, no, no, no. But you, but you, you do this. Yeah. She's like, well, it's, uh, yeah, PO is like a contract, Kaipo. You know, you have to, like, it's, it's a contract and you cannot, you know, you cannot, if you're not to fill the contract, then we cannot take the PO. I'm like, just, but you have. 10,000 pairs of shoes coming. And then she, but, you know, and then she goes, but, not, but give it is. Count and the, I'll, I'll turn the other, t- turn the other way. You guys know the dance, yeah. bro. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. But there, that like short term of like the, the panic of just like, oh my God, 
everything's going to, like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, and then she gives you the out. She's like, well, you know, you give me 25% off, and, you know, we will take, we will take the order. And I'm like, um, what, what years was that? Do you remember? Uh, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say 99, 98, 99. To? 2000, 2000. To- um, yeah, I, I, I left DC in, uh, in 2005 when wow. I moved back home to Hawaii. Okay. Quicksilver had bought DC. Okay. Okay. So Quicksilver and brah, like that was a funny one too. Quicksilver bought DC. And like it was just like a whole new world, and I remember like my bosses taking me out to like PF Chang's or something, and I and I was just like, "Whoa, we're having a we're having a high end lunch," and and they're like, "Yeah, you, you know, uh, what do you want to drink?" I'm just like, "Well, it's it's lunchtime. Like, I don't know. You're my boss. Like, <laughs> what, what, Get the party what you? rolling." Bro, like, what do you drink at first, you know? And then so they ordered their cocktails. I'm all, okay, okay, vodka soda. Uh, no, vodka cranberry at the time is what was my drink, vodka crans. And, like, I'm, like, three of those in and just small talk, small talk. And then they break the news to me. It's just like, okay, it's a new program with Quicksilver. And um, we're going to make you an employee. You should be stoked and everything. I'm just like, well, you juice me up to tell me I'm going to be an employee. I like being on a commission, actually. Um, and they're like, no, you're going to be an employee. We got, we got a nice salary for you, all this stuff. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I want that. And they're like, I have another, uh, can we get another round? <laughs> so the next round comes. And at the end of lunch, of course, you know, then I'm like five vodka cranberries deep. I'm just like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I just take my, take my job. So then I became an employee under the new regime. And that's, that, you know what? Like that's when like it broke. That's when my heart got broken because you don't have the motivation yeah. when you're just on a flat salary, yeah. as opposed to like especially when you blow something up and you know the number too and yeah. you can do the math. Yeah. Um. And you're and, and so that's when I was just like I'm moving back to Hawaii. Um. Oh, but this this is this is another like industry thing. Ken Block and Damon Way were so so cool when they sold dc to quicksilver 10 percent of that acquisition they split between the employees that the, is the, 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 awesome. the original the original crew yeah so it was a four-year payout and um they didn't need to do that there's like nobody even does that anymore That's you know insane. what i mean nobody does that who would ever do that? Did, I, think they, Bob, did, I think Bob and Wooly and those guys are, the, you know, and there might be a few others that, but that's rare. Didn't they yeah. do uh, extravagant fucking trade uh, sales meetings and th- didn't they give away a, a Range Rover? Dude, we had the most <laughs> extravagant meetings, holiday parties. So you, first of all, five years into DC, you get a DC ring, right? I still got mine. And it's a diamond studded ring. And it's a full presentation. You go to like the holiday party was a black tie affair. You know what I mean? Like yeah. ice sculptures. You know what I mean? Like all this kind of stuff going on. The we're glory dirty. Days. Ska- we're like think about it. And we're dirty skaters and surfers. Yeah. yeah. And but like we, we we've come into this new wealth that none of us I think were were ready for it. Yeah. And so we didn't know how to act about it. But so we blew it up. We like we would. I I 
I probably could have managed some of my stuff a little bit better back then. But All you of us. You, didn't, you thought you thought the faucet would always be on. Yeah. So you're just like, blow it up. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. whatever. I, bro, like, I would go skateboarding, and I, I would just, like, get trespassing tickets for skating backyard pools. I would go to skate parks, so the skate parks started coming back up. And I would go to the skate park. I'm a grown-ass man, bro. I'm not going to wear a helmet. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck your helmet, man. <laughs> and, like, literally, literally, I like more than once the cops would surround the skate park and do these like raids on the skate park. Like, oh my god, the criminals are out there. They're <laughs> they're skateboarding without helmets. And I would be the guy who would just be like, Yo, dude, like, whatever. What can you just write me the ticket? I gotta get on my way. How much is a ticket anyway? You're like, I don't care. Do you want me to pay you right now? Because like, I don't care. But seventy five bucks, bro. Like, I'll just give it to you right now. I, oh, I, no, I can no. hear Kaipo. Judge. I can hear Kaipo skating away. I'm Kaipo, bitch. <laughs> One time, the cop called backup because because I started doing this. Like, I'm just like, what do you make an hour, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just I just wonder, like. Because I'm an, I, I started turning like cocky. I was just like, what do you make an hour, bro? Like, what's like, I mean, with, besides the badge and the gun, bro, like, what do you make an hour? And the guy was like, this, this is Oceanside. And the guy was just like, I, he was, I don't think he had a taser or else he would have tased me. Um, <laughs> but he calls back up and he calls back up and the backup, the backup guy arrives and the backup guy comes out of the cop car and the backup police officer is none other than ex-professional bodyboarder Dave Cuniff. No so, way! Yes! So, <laughs> so, Cuniff turned into a cop. And then so Cuniff like comes out and he's just like, Kaipo! I'm just like, yeah, no, Dave, what the fuck? No, like, and then the other cops just like, oh man, this guy, guys, I, and then Dave's just like, are you giving him trouble? And every, and so anyway, like, I got a, I didn't get, I still got the ticket and everything, but Dave like squashed the whole thing. The guy was like, not having it. And you know what? It was my fault for actually being a dick. Yeah. Like now that I'm older, um, I, 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 I totally understand. Now that I'm older, I feel sorry for everybody, every apartment I lived in <laughs> that, that I would skate, you know, and I would wax up the curbs right outside the apartment and skate all day <laughs> doing slappies and stuff and making all that noise. Like, uh, like I apologize to all those people because now that I'm like, well, I'm not that legit, but whatever. Now that I'm like, <laughs> like a like a like a homeowner, yeah. If if that shit was going on outside of my house, I would lose yeah. my shit. Where are the old guys yeah. yelling but, out the but window? It kept you out of trouble, you know. Like that kept you like I don't know. I guess it was a good, good thing to have. Where are the old guys yelling out the window? Get away from that kid. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, this one lady thought that she would, like, I remember I had the best, like, slappy curve at some point at Lagoon Niguel. It was so good. Um, <laughs> and uh, Casey Curtis used to come over and, and skate it, too. He's oh, a pretty shit. good skater. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was, a it was right outside my place, and the lady would turn up, like, Beethoven or whatever, like, classical music on volume 11 to try to, like, run us out or, like, clear the... <laughs> Clear the purge with the classical music. These that disgusting awesome. skateboard kids with their giant pants. We had, <laughs> by the way, the we, had, like, we had big ass pants back then. That's like fucking ridiculous. Dude, yeah. those pants 
what the hell was Gen- going on with Genko? that? Yeah, yeah. Ball that sweepers? Era, that was like, what What was everyone thinking? I don't even know what I was thinking. Like, yeah. So, so 2005, you, you decide to leave DC Quicksilver and go back to Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did, did you have like money saved? You make some good money over the like the course yeah, yeah, of the yeah. last ten years, so you weren't like stressing on getting a job right away, right? I, so I was like, honestly, I'm going to tell you this. So this is another funny story. I kind of milked it for like six months, where I moved my my family back to Hawaii, and secretly I would just like fly back to my place in Encinitas, <laughs> and and like work for a week. And then fly back to Hawaii and work for a week and Damn. fly back to Hawaii just to keep the paychecks coming in on the transition. Hell yeah. And then one, and then one day, like, I remember my boss called me and, and like, and then he just had to have the heart to heart where he's just like, okay, Kaipo, where do you live? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have like, I live, um, I live in San Diego and Hawaii. Well, how often are you living in Hawaii? Um, I don't know who ratted me out, too, by the way. Like, someone ratted me out. Of um, course. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm living in Hawaii. He's all, well, yeah, we got to let you go. I'm just like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, And this I is kind of pre-social media, so it's not like you, you <laughs> threw yourself under the bus by accident. It's somebody actually, yeah. Someone ratted who was me it? out. Yeah. Who was it? I don't know. I don't know. Still to this day, I don't know who ratted me out. But man, you, I, I mean, got, before you got. I got them, I got them, there's a be, even a better story. I got them to hire my sub rep because I had an organization. So I had like, I had, you know, guys who were helping me. But my main sub rep who will go unannounced, I'm not going to talk about his name. Okay. Um, I, I, I gave him the pep talk and I'm just like, dude, you can take my job now, bro. You got to apply. But my, but my sub rep at the time, was making way, way, way more money. This is pre-legalized marijuana. Um, having grown, it was his. Co- yeah. It was his front. This is his cover-up. Like no, he had sophisticated operations that, like, he had houses, and then he had like his helpers, like they were, they were living in the house. He wouldn't live in the house. That were like these laboratories of green, indoor, yeah. crazy mad scientist shit and so i'm just like bro it's time for you to be legit you have a chance to be a sales rep and he got the he got the he got the um the job for a hot minute but then he went back to his his original industry yeah and guess what you guys he had the last laugh because once that went legal this dude is younger than me and he is happily happily retired off of his industry that he started up Ugh. before it was legal. He hit the jackpot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when, and when all the dispensaries first started opening, he's like, Kripal, you know how we put like shoes on shoe shelves and we label them different names and stuff like that? He's like, I'm going to do that with weed. I'm going to name them. I'm going to put like POP. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help the dispensaries. So he was one of the first dudes on like naming things and wow. putting like point of purchase displays on the weed and like again not like again this dude's retired he's all good that's amazing he's never gonna have to work another day in his life that's awesome i want the blueberry crush green uh gobbler okay (laughs) exactly exactly and now that's standard right like now it's standard like you have to have a name yeah 
So those those were golden years, like from like 2000 to 2005. Damn, dude, that's six figure income, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And then oh. and then to go, you know, go to salary. Fuck, that's deflating. Yeah. So yeah. So you you move back to Hawaii. You quit yeah. Quicksilver or DC. Then, yeah. then what happened? Um, I luckily. Well, my wife already had a job. She was a rep for Roxy in San Diego. So she was already running a territory. But she was with me. We had our two kids. And I wanted my kids to grow up here in Hawaii. And uh, so we had our two kids. And so she was all on board. And she actually got a a sub-repping job with um, Glenn and Meredith Moncada to help with Quicksilver over here. So we had one income in the family. And then I was rogue for a while. And um, I ended up getting a job with um, finally... Got a job with FCS, and 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 my first my job with FCS wasn't even like the good money job. It was like, um, I was just a factory guy. I would just deal with only the surfboard factories, providing them with um, the boxes plugs and, and everything. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing all that dirty, you know what I mean? Everything and and uh, and and it's it it's it still is, but it was. I felt like it was even more of a cottage industry where. Literally, some guys would not even have mailing address, so you couldn't like ship them their orders. The orders would have to come to me. Then I would have to drive down the dirt road and go to the fourth shack and <laughs> knock on the door and be like, "Bro, I got your plugs." Like, oh, 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 Kaipo, yeah, cool, man. All right, you know, all right. So, but yeah, but you helped keep those guys in business. That's what you did. Hey, big ups to the artists, um, the glasses, the shapers, the sanders, yeah. and all those guys that, that uh, hand make surfboards because that is um, – I, I hope that stays with us forever in surfing. Hell yeah. Yeah. It, I mean it's a hands-on job, and I don't think that will ever be replaced. I mean they'll probably streamline some, some sort of the steps, but yeah, the innovation, the hands-on is, is where we're going to see like real progress, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we we still have we still have a problem with guys doing like epoxy and EPS stuff over here because like you know like all my glasser friends here they're just like whoa you got to measure whoa what like there's a temperature <laughs> there's like it's like too complicated you know what I mean polyurethane those guys have been eyeballing it for years bro they're like they got a cigarette in their mouth no mask <laughs> eyeball the whole thing like whatever yeah we're gonna bang out ten boards today. <laughs> Yeah, you screw you screw up like a degree on epoxy, and you're, you're, you're toast. You just wasted yeah, not only a blank, the shaper's time, and and all the raw materials. I can't tell you how many guys I gave a pep talk to, like you really should get into this epoxy glassing because there's a there's a demand for it. Yeah, and you'll future. you'll get paid more, and, and like you're not going to die from the chemicals as much. And ninety percent of the guys were just like, ah, rah, rah, yeah. what? Ah, I don't want it. Yeah. You know, it's because they're just like they just like their their thing. They like their schedule. Yeah, the creatures a habit. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, you don't I, see I, too I, many polyurethane boats these days. No, <laughs> <laughs> I used to give guys pep talks on like, oh, like ding repair is a good good business. Come oh, on, yeah. bro, you can and th- and even those guys are just like, ah, we, I don't want to deal with those yeah. people. Like some of these guys just don't want change to deal with people and they don't want change yeah you know what i mean they're artists they want to come in at three in the morning and laminate their boards and not see people and and get paid yeah. you know what i mean and then go on with their day yeah. and they want to work all weekend 
and then surf on the weekdays. I'm not mad at it. It's no. actually like it's actually brilliant. You know, if you can if you can pull that off, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a the same thing we talked about earlier, like localism. You know, so yeah, it keeps things in in, in balance. So yeah. so, um, you started picking up more brands, and then you got Rip Curl, right? No, so then, oh no no no. So then um, FCS, and then I started working for Excel, mm. and then. There used to be the XL Pro, and um, Ed Descoli, who was the owner of Excel, goes like, "Hey, you're a pretty good talker. You you want to like get on the announce the con? You want to announce the contest this year?" And bef- previous to that, I was working um, Hasas, which are which is our amateur events over here on the weekends because I yeah. needed the money yeah. for like a hundred hundred and twenty bucks a day or something, like like two ten by ten tents and two speakers. Like go okay. hang out at the beach. Okay, yeah, um, boys division heat number four. You know, and call them up. You're in red, and like, but you're doing everything, right? You're assigning the jerseys. You're doing all. So I was already doing that. Um, and then Ed asked me to do the XL Pro. I did the XL Pro, and then that winter, um, Randy Rara called me up and asked if I wanted to work on the Triple Crown. And then I started working on the Triple Crown. And then from the Triple Crown, I met the good, good folks over at Vans, who I love. Yeah. I'm going to say Vans again, and. Can I vans, 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 <laughs> and because um, I love those guys. I love those guys me. too, dude. They, they, another great, um, huge brand, iconic brand that has given back so much to surf, skate, snow, everything, or yeah. all of our favorite sports. I, I love it. I want, I, I want to go on record with the whole vans thing. Is that those guys give back disproportionately to surf? Yeah, they spend more in surfing than I'm sure they make in surfing. You know, so like they are, that is one of my favorite companies. Yeah. So anyway. Let me add to that too. I love that the fact that they, they uh, not only support like the future, but they also support the past. Like Tony Alva, uh, you know, Caballero, look at, like I no, look, and, and, look at if you're a Vans team rider, like that's the team you want to be on. Fuck Vans. yeah, like you they know, like Nathan you. Fletcher, like, like and, Nathan Nathan Fletcher has been on Vans for twenty years. Yeah, twenty years on the paycheck, bro. That's so insane, dude. Ask, ask Joel Tudor, bro. He's another twenty years on the paycheck, Joel. Yeah, jeez, I like love, they're rad. I love so and, and they throw the best <laughs> events, you know, like. But but they also give them a platform to to be who they are, you know, and, yeah, and, and to embrace them as an individual and and they you know can still carve their 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 own path and and not be a corporate like you know employee or a corporate like persona like they're they they do it right yeah they do it right they are an anomaly because they are a very mainstream giant brand but they still feel to me like a very core company yeah and to be able to do that is like is that, there's very 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 few brands that are able to do that no. you know yeah you're right so anyway so anyway i got to know the people at vans through the triple crown and then that that got me to starting to do the u.s opens and then once i started doing the u.s opens um i started do, well and then and then the asp turned to the wsl dun yeah. dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And, and and it, it was just like Okay, the brands aren't going to do the events anymore. This one company is going to do all the events, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh shit, I'm out. 
And they, they, you know, you guys know what the WSL they they actually did like a, ca- a casting call, yeah. right? Yeah, so we, we heard like who's going to be the announcers, you know? And like I wasn't even invited to the to the first casting call. I wasn't invited to any of them actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like I was not even on the radar, my man. Like they were just like uh, so they they started with their original crew. Uh, I think that was 2015. Yeah, and then um, and that was. Let's 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 go back and, and uh, that was uh, Todd Klein, uh, yeah. David. What the hell is that Gates, guy's name? Uh, Stan- maybe maybe Stanfield might have been in there. Stanfield, but then the um, Pat, Pat Pat um yeah, what's his name? Pat I Larson. Forget. This is when you're supposed to help us, dude. This is your show, Pat Parnell. I, I'm, I'm Pat thinking. Parnell. Pat Parnell. Thank Pat Parnell. you. Yep. Pat Parnell, um, Peter was already in the mix. Potts was in the mix. Joe was in the mix. Yeah. Strider was in, was in and out, right? But they, yeah, well, but then they had Str- Strider was in on and the out, sponsor. Right? Like so, yeah. Quicksilver kind of throwing their their crew. Hurley would throw in their crew, which would be like Barton and who else would they bring in? And Potts, yeah, Potts, Potts is already there, right? Potts is always there. Yeah. Yeah. Pots, Pots was always there. And so, but they tried, but then the WSL wanted to make like a crew crew, right? Yeah. And so they had like their crew there. And then um, I was kind of out. But then in 2016, one of my many jobs was I, um, I've been the parking lot attendant for the Eddie. Okay. For the, for the Eddie Icao. Because, so, because you're a bit, you're big stature and flexing material. Like, how, how did you, uh, bro, you know, work out you, security? This is how, bro, this is how it goes down, Jay. I'm, this is a really funny story. So I would I would show up at the parking lot of Waimea Bay, whatever, 2.30 in the morning. But with me would be my big brothers from KT Security and a Honolulu Police Department officer. So I had, like, backing. But what they needed the person to open up the parking lot was someone who knew everyone, who knew the judges, surfers all these guys and so i'm basically the dude over there with a clipboard like okay this guy can come in this guy can't come in and people would people would lose their shit okay (laughs) oh and and you would have to know like every icow cousin and it's a big family okay (laughs) the the, the parking lot is small too like small yeah you're you're there's not a lot of room in there so small because so you can imagine people like losing their shit you know I, i i remember i was like peeing in the bushes one time and those guys were turning around Barry Kanao Puni who was like one of the judges and I came out and he and like Barry's so nice he was actually turning his car around and by the time I came there I was just like whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on he's like oh they told me I cannot park I'm a like, uncle and I'm then, then I just went like then, then I went kind of crazy on the guys where I'm just like you guys don't know, you know who, who that this is? is you know who that is <laughs> give him a parking spot bro uncle come in you get Pull up over spot. the curb on the grass you're good yeah well, hey, you know what happened with those things is so we would park on the grass and all that stuff, and Quicksilver would have to pay to get the whole park redone after those eddies. So, so yeah. anyway, 2016, I'm the parking lot um, opener guy, and um, I noticed some of the people from the WSL broadcast coming in, and and they're coming in, and you know they're all oh, from Kaipo's connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I let them in, right? I let them in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, the boss is just like, wow, like, oh, who's this kid? Like, And then so that same day, they're like, hey, do you want to do some beach interviews for us? And I'm like, okay, yeah. 
so I got on. That was the year John John won 2016. I got did the beach thing, and then from there, that was like my little foothold. And I think the next event was 2016 um, uh, Brazil, and that's where we were in Baja de Juca, like in Rio, Rio, and nobody wanted to go. Right? Everyone was just like, "Yeah, oh, I don't want to go." I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Dude, like people, like the commentators, people were tapping out left and right for that one, bro. There was like, <laughs> there's like, there's like Zika, like people were getting robbed and shit, bro. Like the, the, the water quality was like not very good, you know? And I'm like, I'll go. And, and that's, then that's how I started on the crew. And then these things started rolling from there. So that's amazing. Hey, you, you, you know, you, you get your little niche and, and you force your way in, dude. I love it. You know, don't but, say no. But I'm, Work hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely the wild card out of like the the the, the commentator crew. You know what I mean? They, I don't think those guys planned for me at all. Um, so I feel like I, I'm pretty proud of that. Just being the wild card that that got in and then got onto the crew. Yeah. You know, were, were you tripping when Ross? You know, we love Ross. We interviewed him last year, and I mean, he's one of my boys. And it, you know, we're we love watching you know, our friends commentate and, and their perspective and your guys, you know, history and background and, you know, everybody could appreciate it. And Ross is like, yeah, I gave it up to, to go be John John's, you know, coach or kind of, you know, ear. With, yeah. I mean, did that, was that, you know, to walk away from that? I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough decision, but super rewarding to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I still really, really enjoy working with Ross whenever I get a chance just because he's super articulate. He has really, really good insight. And that's what makes him a super good coach too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was – he actually I, I, he actually told me before – I think he told – I think he told a bunch of us where he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be probably start coaching John John, so it might be a conflict of interest. I don't know if, if they're going to be cool with that for me to continue on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but we get them, we get them back now for like some, some specialty events, but like, you know, I, I yeah, he did something with the triple crown, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 We, we, I want more Ross, bring him back. He did Tahiti with us too. Um, yeah, we'll, hopefully we get more Ross, more Ross, more Kaipo too. So yeah, Kaipo, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been, so you're, you're, you've been doing the WSL since 2016 how do they decide, like, you know, who goes to what events? Yeah, it's a like everyone puts a list in at the beginning of the year, and everyone basically like, you know, wants to get on events, and and, and then they you know the powers that be pick who's going to be the crew for every event. So it's um, it's uh, it's more of a scheduling. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably more. It's more of a scheduling thing, but it's just like you don't really. At the beginning of the year, you don't know all of your events usually, you know, yeah. um, just whatever one. Like, this, I mean, this year I got picked up for, you know, the whole Australian leg, right? And, uh, oh. um, but yeah, but obviously that didn't happen, you know? I, I mean, you don't have to answer, but do they pay you per year or by event or kind by of both? Event, but, yeah, well, for me, it's by event. Yeah. So the more, the more events, the better. Yeah. Um, so... The other thing too is like I like, dude. I'm not scared to grind, so I'm going to. I mean, I, and I'm not even going to make this. I'm actually I'm going to make the claim right now, you guys. <laughs> is that out of the out of the commentary crew? I I you put have, every event on your list. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I'm good. I, I put every event on my list and <laughs> I like, I have like the broadest skill set because I've worked QSs, CTs, air shows, longboard events, big wave, big wave events. Yeah. So like I've done the whole spectrum and I don't know if there's another commentator who's done like every single spectrum. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to go with the, with the, the broadest skill set. Um, from Red Bull Airborns to professional longboard contests to the big wave contest. And I'm not scared of working QSs. People trip. Like, if you only work CTs, like, guys get spoiled. And then you hop into, like, an event where you start at the round of 144. <laughs> now you're grinding. <laughs> yeah. And, and not the can, most desirable uh, stop can, either with the, yeah, you know, no. the amenities and, like you said, the spoiled uh, atmosphere. And you yeah, can commentate yeah. snowboarding, and you can comp- commentate skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could like do the skateboarding thing, um, but they they already have their kind of their crew, and, and it's a really good crew. And and skateboarding's actually like gotten so technical, it would be hard for me to completely keep up with what those guys are doing. But yeah. um, but I I love it. The, the 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 thing you know, so like I'm friends with Kote, obviously, and he and he commentates skateboarding. The, the, the best thing about skateboarding is there's like no waiting period. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There's like those guys, like those guys kind of kill it. Those guys like, okay, we're going to start at 10. We're ending at two. It's on. Yeah. And then they're done, you know? So they actually have it a little bit easier in the skateboard world. So what's your, what's your favorite stop on tour? Um, I'm, I, 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 I'm going to go between um, Tahiti and Europe. Okay, what one is by surf quality and just life destination, like lifestyle, and you know, kind of, you know, what's Europe's cool because you got the barrels, you got the beach breaks. Nightlife. Like, like Europe, is, Europe is just like the like the culture and like just everything about Europe is rad. Like running through. France and Portugal, it's so good, it's so fun, it's just like, it's an adventure. And then Tahiti is just like, hardcore, just only surf. Because in Tahiti, like, I live like, under a, a mosquito net, you know what I mean? <laughs> With like, and my room has like, no internet in Tahiti, you know what I mean? And like, it's like, I don't even think, I don't even, can't remember if I even had hot water. You like, got, you got but, chickens running through your room, and, and hogs out the back. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no, there's no glamour in Tahiti, but like the waves are so good, you know. So, so uh, if John John, if the tour was going, and you had to pick a fantasy surf team, who's on your team? I actually want to go on record right now. It's another bold claim, <laughs> but you guys can fact check this one. So at the WSL, uh, at the beginning of the 2019 season, we had this uh, thing called the offsite. And so it's when the company got together to go through some of our, like what, what we're going to look at for 2019. And at the offsite on February 21st, 2019, they, they had a, a, a commentator roundtable. And the only thing I said on the commentator roundtable, because everyone's like, what do you think about the tour coming up? You know, and, but the whole company's there. There's like 100 people there. And I said, Italo Ferreira is going to be world champ. What? And so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Beginning of the now, season. Now you... Now, before the season is, started, February, before we started, wow! But honestly, like I just make that claim. I think I got lucky because honestly, like we all know the story. If John John didn't get hurt in, 
in Brazil, he would have been world champ. So whatever. Right. So <laughs> I got to put an asterisk by that, but I just wanted to do the thing. So my fantasy for this coming year or when we get going again, how many people do I get to pick? Uh, eight. Yeah, eight. Your eight lineup. Okay. But you, so but you only got 50 mil. So keep it, keep, you know, can't, can't pick the top eight. You got to get right. a rookie in there. You got to get like kind of a well, well, you know, well, mid-tier. Well, my, my, my rookie's easy. Huh. Jack, Jack Robinson? Robinson. Jack Robinson is my rookie. There's yeah. no question about that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And um, and and when I look at top tier, um, it's tough. It's really tough. It's really there's, tough. There, there's there's you, top tier kind of wild cards, meaning like they should win every event, but sometimes they make a you know calculated error more often than some others. But well, and the other thing is just like. Sometimes you get soft, you know what I mean? After you win, like I would say Italo first, but I just want to make sure that he's hungry because like after you win, like life's good, yeah. you know? And so, I don't, yeah, it would be like it's Italo depending on his hunger level, I think. Um, I, always I think he looks like he has too much fun and he's just, I don't know. I, I hear think he's, he's been working I think out he's, and he's, surfing he's gonna all be the time. Top Top three. I hear he's working I'm, out and surfing all the time, though. Yeah, and he does have fun. I'm going to tell you something. Something about Italo is like he is actually one of my favorite guys because, like, a lot of times when the cameras aren't rolling, you can see people's personalities and stuff. And that guy's always just like gracious. He's giving. It's never a hassle to like get him for an interview or whatever. You know, he's just like he's like a super super good guy. Um, and you know what? I also want to bring up because I like to be controversial. Um, I dig, I dig, I dig the Brazilians, and I dig that those guys are like open about their faith, and that like they thank God and they pray and they don't shy away from that. And I haven't brought that up on like a on a on a broadcast yeah. yet because yeah. I don't want to like. I, I mean, that could be sketchy, like territory talking about people. Like, whoa, wait a minute, you're talking about God now? Don't do that. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, like, but I, it is I, it is a part of their their regimen and part of their faith, and they I you know it's not like they shy away from it. They're they're talking about it in interviews. They're doing it on the beach before they paddle out. Like it's it's definitely there. Yeah. I think it's rad, bro. Like I think it's like so. Simone um, gave Medina's mom when he's in the heat. She has earpods in, and you know what's running in there? It's just like praise music the whole time. She's just like singing her praise music, like praying for Gabe. You know what I mean? It's just like. Some people might think that's over the top, but I'm just like, that's rad. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with having faith, yeah. you know? Um, George so. Michael said it best, man. You got to have faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, he, but he but he, just like, yeah, but he messed up, huh? Dude, wasn't he like, in a bathroom doing some stuff before that like, he got caught on and stuff? Like, that guy's messed up. Uh, he was definitely messed up. All he right. liked the wiener. Kaipo, are you going to put the yeah. goat on your team? Am I going to put the what? The goat on your team. Ooh. <laughs> Depends on what his value is. Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't know, bro. Like, I, we might not have a tour this year, so he's going to be a whole nother year older in 2021. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. True. But, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure he's going to be – I'm going to put him on my team because I'm sure he's, he's got like – 
secret nutrients and like some type of like plasma injections happening to him right now as we speak. You know what I mean? He's got like there's a lot of stuff happening in the laboratory there. I think for, he's uh, frozen somewhere, Slater. right? They, they, he's on. He's put himself in cryotherapy. He's, he's, I don't, he's, he's there's something like it's something. There's definitely something. What um, I mean, so. All right, we're going back to the list because we're really interested and we love fantasy. We, we're in a couple leagues and it just makes the events really fun to watch and you want to cheer on your team, but the guys, but it's really frustrating because sometimes you want a guy you win, to win that you maybe appreciate and you have a connection with, but he's not on your team and it's, it's, it's a mind F for sure. Yeah. So I'm, G- I'm like the, I'm the worst fantasy player ever because I only like put on guys that like, are, are my friends and stuff. You know what I mean? I don't even look look at like, yeah, I'm bad. Dude. Well, Lyndon doesn't put on any Brazilians, so that's why he loses every time. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, like I, I always put Brazilians on because like people think I am Brazilian. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you, you should you, you should see me in a Brazilian supermarket, bro. It's like shameful when I go to cash out. I actually had it happen to me in Sakurama where, like, I go to cash out and stuff, and they like, it's just like, boom, rapid fire Portuguese at me, and then I'm like, oh, you're no. nodding, uh huh, yeah, yeah, I, no, Smiling. I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm like, no, I'm just like, no follow Portuguese, and then all the girls in the whole row, all the cashiers start laughing at me and stuff, and like, yeah, you know, follow Portuguese, I'm just like, well, dude, like, yeah, I don't speak Portuguese, but they. Uh, look like their brother or something. I don't know, or their cousin. Yeah, it's it happens. I look uh, Portuguese myself sometimes. <laughs> so, Kaipo, you have gotten to surf Kelly's pool. Tell us about your experience, bro. I I, I, I stole that wave, bro. <laughs> I w- I wasn't even invited. Like I seriously, like this. I I shit you not. I watch Strider poach waves like every year I go there and I've been there three times and I finally got a wave and like I literally like stole that wave where it was supposed to be Barton's wave but they didn't work out the schedule because Barton was in the booth and then like I don't know who was running around I was just like well where's Barton you know like I'm like dude he's in the booth bro like he can't get a wave they're all well a left's coming in I'm all I'm on it and I quickly quickly put on my board shorts and actually grabbed Barton's board <laughs> and went out and got my damn wave. And so I was just like, yeah, I got my wave, bro. Kill it. Like, yeah. It's, I, it, I want, it, I want it's amazing that, I mean, you're part of the WSL and you know, part of the crew and how hard it still is to get a wave or even get some waves there. It's, it's insane. And why does Strider yeah. get all the, the, the love there? Uh, well, let's like let, let's look at let's look at the formula for Strider. One, he has that water mic that he waves around all the time. Like I'm working, <laughs> cool, I'm working, <laughs> waving that thing around, and like dude, like the, the cat, like nobody's even going to him in the interview ever. You know what I mean? But he's still waving it around, and so nobody stops him from going to the pool. Two, Raimana World, Strider World. They're both in the world family. And Raimana happens to be the guy who holds the key. He's the dude driving the ski. He's the, he's the, he's the gatekeeper. He's the gatekeeper. Go, go, Strider. Go, 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 Strider. Go, this one's for you. Go, Strider. And they're like, go pick up Strider.
I mean, like zip them around the other side of the pool, like go, go, go. And so that's how Strider gets so many. It's like, it used to bug me. It actually like the, it, like the first time I went there, I didn't get one wave for the Founders Cup. I was just like almost resentful where I was just like, this is bullshit, bro. This is bullshit. I don't even pay me. I want, I want to get paid in waves. I'm just like, this is bullshit. You're freaking like, you are like, getting all these waves and I go, oh, it's my job. And I'm like, ah. And then by like the second time I went there, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to congratulate the guy. He's my bro. I'm just like, bro, you're badass. I don't know how you do it, dude, but like you are like, you worked out the system where you are poaching waves all the time. And then I don't know if you remember the second time that we went there when we had, had the event there and they had some bum, bum lefts come through so we had to rerun a whole round and then all these empty rights started coming through and then it turned into the strider show where strider's like hey i'm in the ball and i'm just like and i'm like dude i'm there watching the monitor i'm all oh my god this is like the biggest cluster they're running like waves no one's riding them we're rerunning an entire round for the for the women and then all these rights are coming through and it turned into the strider show where he's just like commentating on a wave and again i had to just be like my friend i'm just like dude that's like I don't that know how you do it. That guy is shrewd. That guy is a hustler. He sh- he knows he knows that old saying like hitching your your wagon to the right horse. That that fucker <laughs> knows the art of hitching his wagon to the right horse. <laughs> he gets he gets to fly on private planes and shit. Dude, Dude more, it's crazy. More it's, power it's, to it's, him. It's crazy. He's, but yeah. he's still like a he's still a little wave piglet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like he, he's still like a little wave piglet. Like we surf all the. You know what he did this year to me in Tahiti? It is a real story. Like he was like jocking me for a wave where he already caught a wave, and then as I went to take off, he pulled my leash, dude. Dude, the full Burkhart. And I'm, bro, like, I'm stuck up in the lip, looking down, crystal clear water, like, to, to pure reef. And I He's laughing. I didn't hit bottom, so I, I, underwater, I started laughing, too. You know what I mean? Because it was pretty funny. And then I came up, and, like, everyone's laughing. And I'm just like, dude, I can't believe you pulled my leash. That was cr- that, And then I, then I got, like, all bro. Like, you know how you get bro serious? Like, bro, seriously, bro. I could have got hurt, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like. You can't, you can't be doing that stuff. It's dangerous, you know. It's shallow, right there. You know. But that's 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 the stuff we want to see on WSL, like the behind the scenes, like this kind of commentary is just like that's <laughs> that's part of the deal. This is part of the tour, you know. Like I love the WSL and what they're doing, but you know, to to get some more insight, like with what's really going on and, and stuff like that, and how much fun you guys are having. I mean, it is a job, and you guys are. Are, are professional and doing it when you guys are, you know, the, the, the you know, cameras rolling, but you, you're there, say Tahiti, two weeks, 12 days, 10 days. Yeah. And yeah. you're running it in four, you know, like what's totally. happening the other days. Oh, shenanigans. Yeah. 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 Well, Le- I mean, leashes yeah. are getting pulled and you're going over the falls. That's what's happening. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a, so there's, here's a little teaser. Cause it kind of just, and I'll tell you guys, it kind of just got across the line a little bit it's still in the works but we may be seeing more of salt and pepper stuff in Dude, the future that stuff is gold. WSL, um just because of like you know i think i think like now 
people are finally realizing like, hey, man, surfing's fun. Let's have fun. And we don't always have to be super ESPN. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like we all we don't always have to be Fox Sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can be fun too because surfing's fun. So you can do have both. a little bit of fun. Yeah. You can so do both. I, I think we're going to get a little bit – I'm hoping, I'm hoping, 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 hoping that we're going to get a little bit more of that. Yeah. Who came up with the salt and pepper? Me. Nice. <laughs> actually, actually, Strider will take credit for it too. I think it's both of us. Like whatever. Like he'll he'll take. It happened at the same time. We were we like on. We would just have the most fun while we're working together. And then honestly, like on like late days or after the scene, we we like hang. Um, we ha- we're like we're like real friends that hang a lot and get into mischief each other and and like I a lot of the the commentary crew will um go to bed at like eight which i don't understand and <laughs> that's not me and i dude i know you're late night um i do not understand that like i don't understand why people need 10 hours of sleep i don't understand that i don't understand how you're like you're in another country with like all this rad shit going on and like you choose to go to your hotel room to clock in you're 10 to 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> I'll, I'll sleep after the trip. <laughs> I, I'm like, dude, I'm baffled. I'm baffled. So, so Strider is one of the few guys that he's like, he rallies too. He's just yeah. like, dude, let's blow it up. Come on. Like, and then, you know, it's then hence salt and pepper. Um, but yeah. And then now you guys, you and, and um, Peter have started a YouTube channel, right? I know it's so raw and so shitty and like, but it's just like, it's a starting point. I got a lot, a lot to learn on it. I mean, I think Chaz Smith already made fun of me on beach grit, like saying, Oh, the dad discovered YouTube, you know, they're cool. (laughs) Like I I know I get it. Like I get it, dude. Like I'm slow on tech. I get it. You know what I mean? But, but I got nothing, but right now I got nothing better to do than to, to do that. So it's, uh, it's called any kind live. And Peter and I are going to be doing some fun stuff, and we're going to have some rad guests coming up. And then also, it's I wanted to make it such since it's any kind is like we can talk about surfing, but I feel like um, we can also talk about any kind stuff like other than surfing. Yeah. Now I'm like, granted, I need to get like the complete okay from my my boss bosses or something. I don't know. Like we'll see what happens, but because you know you give yourself a long long leash and you can hang yourself on it too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that sounds cool, man. After uh, after I get off the, after we finish with this, I'm definitely gonna pull it up and, and watch your first episodes. Yeah, and you and but you know what's the other thing too, and and, and we don't have a following, but I'm I'm hoping that um, with the live element on YouTube, we can put it up and then have people interact and ask us questions and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. that we can make stuff, you know, so it, it can be more, so it can be inclusive. Yeah. Like. Dude, the early days that when the companies ran the when the companies ran the surf broadcast, we used to have like a little chat thing. You know what I mean? We used to have like a little uh, oh, this is my boss from dude. This is crazy right now. You guys there still? Yeah, yeah. We can so hear you. We just in. can't see a you. Calls coming. A calls because a calls coming in right now from WSL. One of my D- WSL producers, <laughs> which is pretty, which is actually pretty funny. And so, um, do you have to take it? We'll see what I did. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, it's good news or <laughs> medium news. We'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, we, we yeah. want to be. We want to hear here first. Let's let's go. The first event's on May. Let's do this. 
Yeah, Just no, kidding. no. I, I, I think, I think what we're gonna do is, um, I think actually they're setting up for another. Uh, Peter and I do this thing called Make It or Break It, and um, we'll, well, I think we we're supposed to film another Make It or Break It right now. Cool. So, we'll see. I love what the WSL is doing. To tell you the truth, like you guys, they've come up with a lot of content, almost too much content. To tell you the truth, right? Yeah, never too yeah. much. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, look at all the pros are like pretty stoked right now, right? We're running yeah. like 2001 bells and stuff like yeah. that. Like, you know what I mean? Like if, if you already had your pro career, you get a second chance at it right yeah. now. They're, they're rerunning all the, the old archives and stuff. Um, so Bummer will never see Larson's. Jay Larson's, Jay Lars, <laughs> Lars back up, like, you know what I mean? He's got like his, like, poor his guys like poor specimen clips coming up, like, you know, so. Let's do yeah, it. I'm ready for the Masters Tour. Oh, you'd be dangerous, bro. You gotta, and look, I can see your training. You're using, <laughs> you're drinking, you're drinking Michelob Ultra. There's only like Kelly's seventy uh, uh, calories there, and and I, and I ran out of grams. my two cuts. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm diving in my Weiss beers right now. Uh, no, that'll, gonna, that'll, gonna, get, that'll get you into trouble, pull, bro. Pull w, WSL sponsored. Let's do this, Michelob Ultra. It's not a gold, but it's close. All right. But anyway, you guys, I think I gotta go because I should call call that back to make yeah, sure no I'm worries. gainfully employed. No worries, Kaipo, Guerrero, amazing, amazing, pro story. surfer, skateboarder, snowboarder, <laughs> industry veteran, WSL commentator. Thank I love you so it. much, man. We had such a good time. Two yeah, hours and, and twenty minutes, bro. And keep and keep us uh, updated on everything you got going on. We'll have you back on the show and help promote whatever you guys are doing. You got it. You can count on that, and I'll help promote you guys too. Let's ma let's make this network work, bro. Take care, you guys. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.